Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Kiara, good morning and welcome into Izzy and Ricardo for breakfast on SENZ. It is five past six and Israel Dag, fresh from a Foo Fighters outing. How are, you, how are your ears? Oh, nice oh. t-shirt, brother. Nice t-shirt. I love it. Jeez. Um, how are my ears? They were ringing. Absolutely ringing. And I was buzzing on life. It was an experience that I will never, ever forget. It was so good. Like, being two metres away from them, it was, just, it was actually amazing to watch, like, the drummer, Josh. Like, he was crazily good. I think he did his back, actually. Last night oh, I heard from the security. They said he, he tweaked his back. So he was a bit sore halfway through the show. But, mate, I just had a lot of appreciation for a bunch of blokes. Most of them over 50. mm just headbanging for three hours straight. <laughs> Holy. The it was ener- so good. The energy they put out live is just crazy. Crazy, man. Just the output of energy and just going nonstop for a couple of hours. It was a show. Hell of a show. Hell of an experience. Um, yeah, the crew had a, had a good time. Let's just say I got a few brownie points up my sleeve awesome. for the dagger. And look, I'll be completely honest, I've never really been to any many concerts and I'm I'm not your your tragic punk rocker, but man, I'm I'm a fan of the Foo Fighters. They are cool. David Grohl is something else. What an entertainer. Yeah, he's fantastic. One of the best front men in rock. The way the way he uh, he runs a stage, he uh, he certainly knows how to bring it. But yeah, great. We're, we're going to get to that a little yep. bit later, though. Is he? Uh, let's have a look at what's coming up on the show today. Ben Ransom out of the UK after seven to talk uh, football. Uh, the a big move happening between Manchester City, West Ham. A few other things going on that we we can talk about with Ben. He is going to be live at a game between Leeds and Norwich. So uh, hopefully we can squeeze him in between before kickoff. Uh, Devin Flanders. Uh, awesome. uh, from the uh, the Canes, hopefully. Uh, we'll have them at yep. 7.40, although they may need to go later, so we, we might have to do some juggling. Marama Downs uh, from the Northern Brave, she's uh, going to join us after 8 o'clock to talk cricket and the Super Smash Elimination final. And Opie Boston, the great uh, Opie Boston as well, joins us for a Love Racing update before 9 o'clock. So got all of that coming your way. And it is 7 past 6, and it is time for this. Round 1, fight. So news yesterday, is he, that Braden Hamlin-Ueli has uh, been offered a move to the Warriors. Cronulla have put a contract in front of him. 
because yep. his deal runs at the end of this year. But obviously they have Adam Fanua Blake coming in. Uh, they've already re-signed Toby Rudolph. Uh, so the Warriors apparently offering him 700k a season to come here, which is more than the Sharks are offering. Good move. Do you like it? Uh, it's something. You know, is it, there's always going to be that question when you let go of arguably the best prop in the game, who is going to follow in his footsteps? And they need to do something. They need a big powerhouse in the middle that's going to do what Adam Fanua Blake was able to do. You look at his season last year, it was pretty, pretty middle road. Um, if you go through the stats, 45 tackle breaks wasn't enough to break into the top 20 of props in the competition. But the signs are there. I think his uh, leading season was 2019 when he was one of the best props in the game. Played one game for North Queensland, then went to the Cronulla Sharks. He's played 99 games in the NRL. So he's still got a lot of fuel in the tank. Whether it's the right thing by, by the Warriors, well, it's something. And it's, and it's a move that they need to make. They've got room in the salary cap. We need a big body in the middle. Whether he is going to follow in those footsteps of Adam Fleur Blake, only time will tell, Rick. Like, they need something, and this is something. Um, he's obviously a nice player, a quality player. Probably wasn't the top of the list for, for myself personally, but it's something. And I think that's, that's the case for you, mate. Like, did you see this move came out? I don't know his name's been thrown out quite mm. a bit. Well, I think part of it is also that he's a Kiwi, mm. so bringing him back yep. home there there is that. Although he, he does play for Samoa now, uh, but yeah, I liked it. I, I like Braden Hamlin, you Ali. I like what he does and mm. um, what he's yep. done for the for the Sharks. So I, I think uh, he'll get more of a starring role here. So he'll mm. be more the man, which yeah. he hasn't been at the Sharks. So it'll be just interesting to see how he takes that responsibility. But I think it could yep. be a really good move. It's, yeah, like that's the thing. He's going to come over and, he, and everyone's going to look for him mm. to take that leadership. And it's up to him whether he wants to, um, you know, fulfill that role and, and take it take it on his sleeve. But, mate, it's, um, you know, it's, it's positive signs. It's positive signs for, for the, the Warriors. And they're starting to build a nice, nice team. Kirk Capewell's coming here. We, we, you know, we got a Sean Johnson. Where's he at with his ankles? Is he in a moon boot? Like, what are we going to see? Um, yeah, look, we just got to wait and see. I love the touch that they've done with Ronald Volkman, mm. helping him out with um, his surgery. I was doing the reading on that, and I was thinking, man, poor bugger. He's gone over. He's been left in the lurch, and now he's potentially going to face a fifty grand opportunity to go. I uh, have to go get surgery over in Australia while well, they're flying them back and the Warriors are going to cover that. So they're doing all things right uh, by their players. So, look, I think time will tell for this, for this signing. If it eventuates, yeah, I think it's a positive thing. Yeah, all right. Um, and uh, you, your text too. Yeah, keen to hear from you what you think about Braden Hamlin, you alley uh, Warriors fans. You, do you like that move? Let us know, double eight, double three. We already had one text through uh, from Mark mm. saying, no more cam tips, please. It's costing me too much money. Um, <laughs> well, yes. And Mark, not, you're not alone. It costs me money as well. We'll, we'll cover that off when we get to uh, uh, Dagger's donation a little bit later on. But let's crack on. <laughs> Round two. Uh, Aussie Open officials are moving start times of afternoon matches forward after some players weren't finishing their evening matches until 1.30 in the morning, uh, which must be tough if you're an athlete trying yeah. to perform at that time. So that got me thinking, what's the latest you've ever found yourself playing and how do different start times affect you as an athlete? They affect you a hell of a lot. Like your preparation and game day planning 
has to adapt and, and adjust. And it's it's just little things of eating. You know, you're going to have to have your pre-match meal later. Usually, traditionally, just stuck in that routine of eating early, so it gives your time, your body time to digest. Man, it's a whole di- like some of these games. Was it you that alluded to one finishing at four a.m. Mm-hmm. or something like that? Like that is crazy to think. The latest I've had to play was World Cup 2011. We didn't start the games till nine p.m. And traditionally, you're starting at 7 p.m. So that's two-hour shifts. You're not walking off the park until 12 uh, midnight. And then you, you're getting into recovery. You're getting into post-get match um, eating. So there's a lot of things that have to take place. Um, I, I love it. And I think the reality is why they go later is the, is the heat, particularly in Melbourne. Like, mm. the heat is crazy. But you got a roof. you got a roof. Shut the roof. I know it's 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 the Aussie Open, the weather's fine, but some of these players are having to play in 40-degree heat, and it is tough. But that's what you want. You want the Opens, the Grand Slams to be tough, but if it's becoming a a bit of a a dogfight, then why don't you just do the the normal, normal thing and just shut the roof, make it, uh, well, easier, and, and just get on with it. So, Matt, I'm, I'm a fan for that. Yeah. I'm a fan for it. Bring it forward. That also allows young kids that want to go watch these big stars, the best tennis players in the world, an opportunity. There's no way in hell if I'm a family man, a parent, and I'm thinking Djokovic is playing at 10 at night, we'll go watch him. Nah. Nah, it's not It's not attainable. So you've, you've got to make those adjustments, bring it forward, so we can fit it all in in, in a normal time. It's interesting, actually. I was reading about Djokovic at uh, mm. the Australian Open, and I don't know if I've got this exactly right, but it's something along the lines of the last time he played a day session mm. at the Australian Open was something like 11 years ago. Well, I'm not surprised. You, you start the, you play, you, you know, you build up to the main event. Mm. And the main event's always going to be the last game of the day. That's when you want everyone there. But you want the last game of the day to be at the right time. You do not want to be seen stands full at 2 a.m. I know some of the adults would love it because it's their time to have a play and is it a time for the kids to go watch? But you've got to think of, of everyone. What? And, um, yeah, look, I think bringing it forward's a great idea. Hmm. It did, it did uh, raise a few questions, though. Mm. Does he mm. have an unfair advantage by only ever playing at night and not playing during the day where other players that he's going to meet later on in the tournament have had to play during the day in the heat? There's always that advantage, you know. Mm. You get a longer break between games. You get a longer periods to recover. Like, there's always those those questions that will be thrown out. Um, but when you're the big dog and you're the main event, you pretty much get it your way. Look at Tiger, mate. He's done it for years. He gets he gets he gets to mould the game of golf. Or well, probably when he tees off, he ain't getting in the hat. You're pointing to me. Oh, yeah, I was waiting for the, you, you to hit round three. Oh, round three. <laughs> okay, we're, move, we're moving on. All right, let's do that. Uh, uh, good to see we've got our, our, our communication now. Because I, I wanted to go off the back of you saying big dog, and I was like, speaking of big dogs, Izzy's, uh, Izzy's the big dog. Him and his mate Dave Grohl hanging out last night. Uh, we, we're a concert review, a gig review mm. from Israel Dag uh, last night. Backstage, side of stage, Foo Fighters. I don't know if DJ Timmy was there, but I know he's pretty excited about it. Uh, tell us all about it, mate. Oh man, it was it was probably the yeah, the best experience I've ever had. Um, man, it was 
it just started today. So one of my best good mates, he's, he's security for the Foos. And so he was, we had a game of golf on Monday and I looked after him and the security team at Clearwater and we, we put on a bit of a show for them. And then he repaid, um, you know, that sentiment by taking me and seven, seven others. So we jumped in my car. We drove to um, Apollo Projects uh, Centre. That's obviously where the Crusaders play. And they met us out front with golf carts. And they escorted us through the crowd to behind the stage. And I parked right behind the stage. My car was right there. And I said to him, I said, mate, I've played for the Crusaders for years. I never parked here. <laughs> so I had to go through the Foo Fighters to get in closer to when I was even playing for the Crusaders. And then we went backstage and got the best view of the house. So Dave Grohl, um, Robbie, well, whoever the band, the whole band was like, centimetres away from us and we got to witness that before the event we were about to go over and meet the foos and we're on our way over and we just got outside their door and then something popped up or something happened so we didn't actually get to meet them which was gutting i know a few of the girls here were pretty pretty gutted but mate they had a cool experience then we went and had some food and um ate everything that they had on top for the best steak the best chicken and then we just went over and rocked it for three hours. And, mate, it was so cool. Like I said earlier, just to see the effort and, and the showmanship, the entertainment that these rockers put on, and some of them are knocking on 60 years of age and sweating. And David Grohl just not losing anything in his voice and just exerting so much noise and all that energy outside of out of his mouth his hands he's very talented like he plays guitar drums everything doesn't he he, yeah, he does, he does yeah. everything well he, he used oh, to be sorry. i don't know if you know this is he used to be the drummer in nirvana did you know that yeah yeah i did i did i heard he was the drummer in nirvana <laughs> and but it was it was some it was so cool like words can't explain that experience and, and what it felt like and then afterwards we're leaving and um you know how even you leave a concert, it's crazily busy. Well, the golf cart boys, one in front, one in the back, just bowled us through the whole lot, and we got home in half an hour. Oh, how good. <laughs> how good. And he told me to put my headsets on, and I covered up my face. Yeah. And I said, and I said to my mate, I said, bro, act like you're Dave Grohl. Hurry up. <laughs> act like you're Dave Grohl. <laughs> so we don't look like eggs. And, uh, and went out. But, man, like, it was like Everlong was the last song, the banger. Yeah, that was so cool. Best of you, my hero. Like, ah, oh, like I can't explain it. I'm a Foos fan for life now. <laughs> yeah, sounds like it. Sounds like it. fantastic, mate. Fantastic. Best show you've been to? Best show. Best show. Uh, best show I've been to. Like I've, I said, I've I've been to festivals, mm. but you just man, you have a lot of appreciation for a band that rocks and the love they have. Like there's twenty three thousand people there at. Uh, at the stadium, sold out. I went to Snoop Dogg. Well, I didn't, my, my wife went, but I went and seen the whole setup for Snoop Dogg. And Snoop Dogg was half of what the Foos had. Right. Foos was right back, the full field gone, back, uh, the back stands, the whole side. It was, it was cool. And it was cool. And uh, being right there was something I'll never forget. One of the guitarists, I think it was Robbie, he was, um, he was losing it at one of them, eh? Oh, he was really? quite a needy. He was quite a needy fella. He was, <laughs> <laughs> the guys were right next to me. He was ripping the head off one of the guitarists. Um, 
technicians or something was going on. I was like, oh, what's going on there? But you, you don't experience that when you're in the, uh, out in the, in the public. But being right there, seeing that all happen, man, it was cool. We got given two. Uh, we got given um, Dave Grohl's picks. Oh, cool. So I've got his picks at home, and also my part, um, one of my best mate's wife's, Remy the pianist. Yep. He ran over to her and said, "Can I borrow your glasses?" And she was like, yeah, yeah, have them, take them. He came, she gave him his glasses, and my mate was standing there going, oh, no, I've lost my wife. And then all afterwards, he came over, gave him, like, his own pick and his own material. I think he was a fan of uh, my mate's wife. So uh-huh. <laughs> he, was, <laughs> uh, he was a rocker, man. It was it was awesome. I loved it. I, I'm I'm on cloud nine, Rick Dog, as you can tell. It sounds like it. It sounds like that is outstanding, mate. It's outstanding. Great to hear. There you go. Uh, now we also have today. Uh, we used to it used to be called Kempy Skicker. We're calling it uh, Dagger's Donation yes. now. Uh, and mate, what are you what are you liking? Is there anything that you're? I mean, that you're particularly <sighs> thinking about for Dagger's Donation this week? Well. I'm thinking for Saturday. Saturday's a huge day at Karaka, and I'm gonna, it's, it's a very social week for Dagger. I'm going up to Auckland tomorrow for the Karaka Millions, um, and then I'm going to hibernate for three years. But I'm thinking somewhere on Saturday, something on Saturday, but there's lots going on. There's lots going on. Cam from Cambridge, you're not, you're not going to be a part of this, mate. You ruined us yesterday. But Dagger's donation, $50 bonus bet. Rick Dog's going to pick a couple, and I'm going to pick a couple. So all you got to do is send through your options for Dagger's donation on double eight double three. Last year, we came so close a couple of times. I know you got one done when I was away, so maybe it's me, but we'll have to find out. Dagger's donation is today, so send through those options, and we'll get someone paid because it's a big weekend of racing and there's plenty going on in sport, Rick Dog. Yeah, there is a heap going on. Double eight, double three is the number your bet for the weekend, best bet for the weekend, and get yourself in with a chance to be a part of that action. It is 6.22. You're listening to SENZ Breakfast, powered by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors, and land pride attachments. At 6.27, you can get hold of us, 0800 150 811, or hit us on double eight double three. That is the Temper Bedpost text machine. Temper and Bedpost range of mattresses and adjustable bases adapt to the exact shape of your body so you can put your head and feet up in comfort. And we are looking for options for Dagger's donation today. And uh, Dave from Karaka has come through, is he? What do you reckon? Yeah, not a bad bet. Look, if this happens, uh, the boys get paid, we'll be happy or... Absolutely disappointed. Faraglione, top two. It is at Ellerslie on the um, uh, would be race three. And there's Dave from Caracas. So that's an option, Dave. We'll pull that aside. And that's one that potentially you could be a part of Dagger's donation. But we're also looking for more. So send them through on double eight, double three. They can be racing. It can be sport. It can be whatever. This is an opportunity for you, our awesome listeners, to be a part. Ada McLaughlin. Yes, Womble. Top run scorer for England in first innings v India, Joe Root, $3.75. Thank you, Womble. We'll put that aside as well, but keep them coming on double eight, double three. And Jimmy, I haven't quite gone to the dark side. He said, <laughs> sounds like you've been converted, Dagger. Going to have to grow your hair out, grow a beard, start wearing black T-shirts, and Rick Dodd will have to lend you his vinyl collection for a while. Welcome to the dark side. <laughs> oh, look. I'm slowly, because it's not just Rick Dog, 
Robbie's a tragic rocker too. So, um, yeah, look, if Robbie Groves is here, I'll, I'll do the same. Okay, there's the deal. There's the deal. Robbie, <laughs> you, are you up for this? I mean, I, I am, but yeah, my, my hair doesn't, it doesn't go like yours. Like when it goes mm. long, it just goes kind of like out. It's very thick. Right. So it doesn't yeah. go down. So yeah, it's a pain to grow out, but so, I, I'd be down for it if okay. my hair would cooperate. Oh yeah, all right. So yeah. we can get you straight. I'm the same. Okay. Yeah, I'm a, I'm an Afro, so I'm more of a, I'm more of a rapper rocker. Is that, is that something? Yeah. yeah. So rap rocker, rocker. Yeah. So oh, look, I can't grow my hair out, look. I struggle for years to even grow it, so come on, mate, give me something. No worries. We'll just just grow the facial here, then just put the beard on. Or <laughs> the tap get turned off if you have a beard. Ah, uh, yeah. Look, well and truly, because <laughs> yesterday my beard had a little bit of grey on it on yeah. my chin. My yeah. daughter was like, "Dad, you need to cut out that grey. Why is it silver, Dad? Why is it silver?" I said, "It's called age, Tilly. I'm getting old." Platinum Ooh. highlights. Platinum highlights. That's what it is, mate. That's what it is. So keep them coming but through. Double eight, double just three. Just on that, Rick Dog. Like yeah. dark side, yes, uh, to an extent, but not your dark side. Not as dark as my dark side. Okay. Nah. Oh, I'm hearing you. I'm hearing you. Yeah. Uh, had another one come through uh, on the uh, on the Twitter account actually from Adam Fahey, who is a Kiwi living in England, and uh, he's messaged us and he said, "Daggers donation, Luka Doncic and Giannis uh, to both score triple doubles today. Right, they both play for the same team." Right, mm-hmm. and they're playing the Cavs. The Bucks are playing the Cavs, paying thirty once. Hey, no. So Luca, he yep. plays for the Mavs. No Mavs, sorry, yeah, Mavs, yeah. and then and Giannis, both uh, yeah. triple doubles today, paying thirty one dollars. Are they playing each other? No. So the Bucks are playing the Cavs, and yep. the Mavs are playing the Suns. Okay, thirty one dollars. Yep. That's what he's saying. Oh, how's Luca been going? Because I know Kyrie's been taking a lot of the heat too. Kyrie Irving, he's been scoring oh, heaps of heaps of points. I've seen like thirties, forties, and, and some to that extent. His Luca's average for the season: thirty-three point six points a game, eight point mm. five rebounds, nine point three assists. So close, 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 close. Okay. Thanks for that. We'll yeah. have a look at that one. Yeah. That you're, you're a part of it, mate. You've got to send them through and you can get paid. Yeah, D- double eight, double three. That is the Temper Beer Post text machine. We want to hear from you uh, for Daggers. Donation is 29 away from 7 o'clock. Time to catch up with Araha now for the latest in news. Thanks to uh, Kubota. 27 away from 7 on SENZ, Izzy and Ricardo for breakfast. It's uh, back to work time at Bunnings Trade. Here's some sports headlines for you. The Milwaukee Bucks fired coach Adrian Griffin yesterday, parting with the first-year coach just 43 games into the season and with the team second in the Eastern Conference standings with a 30-13 record. Uh, it's been reported now that the Bucks have hired longtime NBA coach Doc Rivers, who began as an informal consultant to Griffin in December at the behest of head honchos at the club. Uh, so that sounds like he's been stitched up, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. Rivers won an NBA championship with the Celtics in 2008 and has 24 seasons of NBA head coaching experience with the Orlando Magic, Celtics, LA Clippers and Philadelphia 76ers and has not had a losing record since 2007. His streak is the fourth best in league history behind Basketball Hall of Famers Greg Popovich, Phil Jackson and Pat Riley. What do you reckon, Dagger? That, that was crazy, wasn't it? Like, his stats, was it 30 and 13? Yeah. Um, this, yeah, like, he, there has to be something that is tinkering away in the background for this to happen. And you'd have to say that the Bucks were, 
well, the organisation were heading down this line, uh, having him be a consultant in December, that they were already planning for this. But as a coach, you'd think he'd be absolutely livid. Like, it's been blowing up on the socials. People can't understand why it's happened. Um, Yeah. I read an article on The the Athletic, and they reckon Mm. um, the the rumour, they haven't got an official, the the rumour is that they weren't happy with how the Bucks' defence was going. So the Bucks used to be like one of the best defensive teams in the league, but mm. um, they, their defence had been on the slow. Like they they beat the the Pistons a couple of weeks ago in Detroit, but the Pistons yep. scored one hundred and thirty five points. Can you imagine being the Pistons with the season they're having at home? Yep. You score one hundred and thirty five and still lose. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently that is part of the the uh, the reasoning, Robbie. Yeah, well, yeah. In, in, fa- in fairness, like, it, it seems a bit of a shock, but uh, yeah, the the defense is going pretty hopelessly. The general consensus is uh, Adrian Griffin's been kind of carried through the job by talent in the form of Giannis and Dame Lillard, who's just come on for the season. There you go. Yeah, but yeah, oh, look, it's it's well, we know business, and if you're losing, you're going to have a tough time keeping your job. We've seen a hell of a lot of it in the NFL, and now we're seeing this in the NBA. But for me, they're still finding a way to win. And they're still, you know, one of the best teams in the competition with a couple of the best players. I, I just think there's, yeah, there's something a little bit more fishy about this, this situation. And he won't be lost to the game. Maybe the leaders had a, had a bit more... To, to say about it, maybe Giannis has, has, you know, we know his influence on the NBA and in that organisation. So, yeah, it was, it was pretty shocking to hear that. Yeah, a LeBron in training maybe is what you're saying about Giannis. Yeah, that's what they need to do. All right, okay, cracking on now. Uh, the hottest cricket tickets in town, is he? Ooh, mm. puts the Foo Fighters in the shade. Check this out. Uh, the Black Caps test against Australia at the Basin, first four days of the test all sold out. 6,400 yep. capacity at the Basin. So the first four days, which starts, I think, Thursday, Feb 29, all sold out now, which by my reckoning is just over 25,000 will be through the doors in four days for that test. Only chance you have to watch it live, otherwise is if the test goes into the fourth, uh, fifth day. Yeah, no surprises that the, the first couple of days are sold out, um, potentially because it won't go that long to the fifth day. But if it does, that will sell out. Those tickets always snapped up pretty quick. I'm not surprised because we've been starved of quality teams coming to New Zealand to play cricket, and you've got one of the best test sides playing on our doorstep. We never, like our closest rivals, and we hardly ever get to play these big series against them. So we've got a two-match test series against Australia, which is huge, and particularly after the, uh, the cricket that we've had on our doorstep at the moment, no disrespect to Bangladesh, and Pakistan, but they do not rival Australia. So, um, yeah, I'm not surprised. And, and whether we can compete, I already had my mate ring me up yesterday and says, when's those Aussie tests, have they sold out? And I said, yeah, I'm pretty sure they're, they're selling out. So, um, yeah, the hottest tickets in town. And this will be a real inkling to see where this team's at. Um, we've had, well, it depends on, on the injuries, the makeup, the bowling lineup, um, base and reserve, probably arguably. Our most notable stadium. What do you mm. reckon? Is that arguably the his- most historic stadium in New Zealand? Cricket desk, probably. Yeah. In terms of um, in terms of traditional, you know, Test mm. cricket, I'd probably agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah, it's, a, it's a good venue, the the old basin. So yeah, first four days all sold out. Uh, do you reckon Rajan Ravindra will be in the Test team to play the Aussies? 
That's a question. Has to be. Has to be for me. Um, I know Gary said we had him on last year in the last year. <laughs> he was just saying you have to, you just have to buy your time. But I think it's just going to be that situation we've been waiting for, for so long. You've got to get him out there playing. You've got to get him out in that test team, what he was able to do over at the ODI. We just want to see him. You want to see him with more time on his end. When you've got a couple of days to bat, I want to see him having a good, good real crack at it. So, yeah, I'm expecting him to play. I think the big question is if Tom Blundell's out, does that mean Tom Latham automatically takes uh, the gloves and, and backs up? And who comes in for Tom Blundell? Yeah, well, I mean, if, if Latham takes the gloves, you probably think he'll then drop down the order and bat at six, so they'll need another mm. opener. And maybe that's mm. where Ratchin comes in, because he has opened before. Yeah, well, that's the realistic change, isn't it, Robbie? Cricket yeah. desk, coming yeah. cricket desk. Yeah, no, I agree. Um yeah, that's probably the case. I think, yeah, Latham with the gloves makes sense. Probably drops yeah. down the order. Um, and then, yeah, r- rushing up the top. Um, Will Young. Yeah, those those would be your options, probably. Those would be the options. All right, well, on Rajan Ravindra, he's just been awarded the ITC Men's Emerging Player of the Year for 2023, uh, which is great breakthrough year for him. He lit up, of course, the ODI World Cup. He made his 50-over debut just in March. Against mm. Sri Lanka, so less than a year ago, he since then he's played twenty five ODIs, uh, which is which is a hell of a lot in one year. Scored eight hundred and twenty runs at an average of forty one. He also picked up eighteen wickets at forty six, as well. Uh, he scored ninety one runs in twelve T twenties and took five wickets. Uh, he scored two uh, fifties and three centuries and finished fourth highest scorer at the ODI World Cup behind Virat Kohli, Rohit Sharma, and Quinton de Kock. It's not a bad bad start to your career, is it? Not a bad start, and that's the thing. Everyone's just demanding that he has a crack and gets an opportunity. So, look, I think with Tom Blundell, it makes it an easy decision to make that change, that adjustment. So you're going to see him plan, and we're going to see, obviously, we're taking on the pro tiers first, and don't get me started on that that, that series already, but and then we'll be following by the Australians. So we've got a big, nice summer of cricket coming up. We're going to see Russian having a crack. Yeah, looking forward to it. It is 19 away from 7 o'clock. Bunnings Trade can help you get back to work with amazing value on a huge range. Keep your texts coming through. Double eight, double three for Dagger's donation. We'll get to some of those next. It's 14 away from 7080-150-811-8833. And we are looking for options for Dagger's donation. And plenty coming through, Izzy. Uh, this one from Joe. Morena, boys. Getting fizzed for Karaka Millions Night. Two anchors for the donation, Crescetti and Legato. They just win. Get on with a dump truck full. <laughs> Joey, boy. He doesn't pat, uh, punt lightly, Joey. Um, Crescetti, good horse. Very good horse. And Legato, apparently, well, the odds are alluding to it, just brains them. I think it was paying sixty last time I had a look. So there's a couple there that could potentially be a part of Dagger's donation. There's more coming through, Rick Dog. Yeah, there's plenty coming through. Uh, DJ Tim, Liverpool, they don't have Mo Salah, and they play Chelsea mm. at the weekend. Uh, I've, he's got, taking Chelsea to get the draw away at $4.20. Ooh, so Mo Salah influenced the big loss. Obviously, yeah. Mo, everyone knows how good he is. Um, but you reckon they can go to... 
Anfield and get the draw? Yeah, it'd be interesting. Chelsea's team pretty oh, yeah. young. I, 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 I probably wouldn't back it, to be honest. I mean, Chelsea mm. had a big win yesterday. They beat Middlesbrough 6-1 in the League Cup semi-finals. Um, so okay. that's probably their biggest or their best win of the year. So they're starting to find form. Pochettino's starting to do good things, but I think I'd probably just be a bit shy of doing that at Anfield when you've got such a young team. Mm. Okay. We'll, we'll take that one. We'll put that one in there. And there's another one here from John. Dagger's donation, European golf. Rasmus Oegaard and Thorben Olsen, both to finish in the top 20 at $2.80. Both very consistent golfers. Not bad bet, that one. That is from John. I appreciate that, Yeah, Johnny. $2.82. It's not bad. It's not bad. The, mm. You know, if we're going to put four bets in, 2 bucks eighty, mm. it's going to, it's going to, it's going to uh, you know, that's going to bulk that out quite nicely. Ah, well, it's just golf, man. It's 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 a tough one to have a crack at. Even though I've picked one, I picked um, Brooks Kepka to win once, and he paid eight bucks, and mm. I had a big go at that, and that came through. But golf is a funny old game. But Rasmus Oigard is a very good golfer. Thorburn Olsen, I haven't really watched much of him, but I know Oigard will uh, probably be there or thereabouts. Appreciate it. Uh, now Cam uh, has come through. Investment. This is Cam from Blenheim, not Cam from Cambridge. So we okay. might be all right. Okay. okay. Uh, the morning boys. I've got a four legger for Izzy's investment. He's calling it. I, li- I like where he's going. There's mm. positive thinking. Mm. Uh, race one, Crescetti the win. Race four, Velocious a place. Race five, Legato a win. Race six, Orchestral a place, paying four dollars ninety eight. Oh, that's good. I reckon Velacious will win. Really? In race four. Yeah, yeah. I, I, well, J-Mac's on top. Took yeah, over true. from Sam Spratt. Um, so that counts for another leg. So, uh, and Legato. So, yeah, I like that. I'll probably go the three win and a place. But we'll put that in there. Yeah, You'll we'll... be in for a chance. And you might have stole me there from Cam from Blenheim. You might have to have a chat with your mate Cam from Cambridge because he, uh, he, he tipped one out yesterday and it was shocking. Yeah, it wasn't great. It wasn't great. Uh, Morning, guys. Uh, don't forget my draw in the test between Australia and the West Indies yesterday that I sent through. That's from Barry. Yeah, I'll just actually have a look at what that's changed. Because I think Barry got on at $7.10 for that to be a draw. And it was into about fives. Uh, so what is that paying now? Because as Barry was saying yesterday, if you missed it, uh, that the weather the full weather forecast is terrible. Thunderstorms and all sorts. So how much play are they going to get? Well, the draw is at 585. Okay. There you go. I love that, eh? How weather. You could just check Met Service yeah. and get a weather update and potentially get a, get a draw and get paid out. That is just money for jam. You'd hope for the draw and you'd just be praying for it to rain. <laughs> exactly, uh, exactly. Just do, doing rain dances. They're doing rain yeah. dances. Oh, yeah, 100%. Uh, so keep your options coming through. Double eight, double three. Looking for more of those. Uh, and Mark's actually sent through about Ravindra. He gets that award from the ICC mm. and can't even consistently make our T20 side. That is, he's got a fair point. Like, everyone is crying out loud for Ration to be a part of the Test team, the ODI team, the T20 team. But player burnout is obviously what Gary Stead's talking about. And the thing with uh, Ration is he's got to buy his time. They're going to say, and that's what they've been coming out and just saying, you're just going to have to wait for your time. You're going to get an opportunity, and you're going to get an opportunity to take it. So, But, yeah, like you would only think, imagine if he had all the opportunities that were put in front of him what could have potentially been that year been like? You know, would he have been a part of every test, uh, every team 
of the year in the in the category. So, uh, Russian, it's an interesting one. Uh, the Richter, Richter, just quickly, I was, mm. I was looking at that Mancad, the Mancad situation yeah. with the under nineteens, and it nearly cost them significantly. It nearly lost them the game, and there's been a huge debate, and it's been happening for the last while, and it is a part of the rules. Mm. Um, but it just got me thinking about. Uh, I've seen people crying that it is bad for the game of spirit, the game of cricket, and then I've seen people saying it's in the game of the rules. Where do you sit on it? I'm 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 on the latter. It's like mm. if if you don't basically if you get caught um, if you get out by mancad, it's because mm. you're trying to cheat. Well, not cheat. Yeah. Cheat's probably a bit strong, but you you are trying to uh, yeah. crab a couple of yards so you don't have to mm. you know you don't have to run as far. Uh, once yep. the ball's been struck. So it's a risk you are taking, right? You're taking mm. the risk. The risk is all on you. It's not something that's out of your control. You leave you can you can still be three or four feet outside of the crease with your bat in the crease and yep. not get man catted. So that's on the batsman or the non striker. Yep. Have no problem with it at all, particularly if they keep backing up and they're backing up a long while. Because can you imagine, and I know the cricket desk wants to t- chip in here, but and Robbie will probably have something on this. But if you're the bowler and if you're mm. running in and you're focused on the batsman at the at the uh, at the striker's end, and out the corner of your eye you've got movement, I mean, how Sneaky many times you how many times do you see um, batsmen pull out because there's a seagull uh, in front of the side screen and stuff like that, right? Mm. So if All the movement's time. putting off the batsman, then surely yep. that movement out the side of your eye as you're trying to deliver a ball is going to put you off as well. So fair play, I reckon. I'm with you. I'm with you. What about you, Rob? Uh, yeah, very quickly. Uh, I, I'm kind of on the other side of it. it, it it's very it's very dependent. I think there needs to be a bit of clarity around the rule. Like looking at that one in the under nineteen, I yep. hated it. It was you know he he wasn't trying to get an opportunity. If you're if you're a, few, a couple meters down the pitch, fair enough. As you say, mm-hmm. you're trying to get a clear advantage. But watching yep. that one in the Afghanistan under nineteens, he kind of he goes over switches hands and waits for a couple seconds and then the batsman's out of his crease, which I think is just not on. So you think it's the batsman's momentum he's taken advantage of? 100%. I think there's a big... You can have a debate for this for a very long time. And we're going to have a debate, I reckon. It's going to open up a can of worms. Let's get get your thoughts. Double eight, double three. We'll continue it on throughout the next hour, Rick Dog. Yeah, we will. We will. uh, Because I think it really needs to be in the delivery stride. You can't do what Robbie's talking about, but it needs to be in the delivery stride. But we'll get to that. We'll get your thoughts on it as well. We are six away from seven. It's coming up to seven o'clock. We'll have news for you shortly. And uh, keep your text rolling through double eight double three for Izzy's investment or Dagger's donation, depending on which side of the fence you are. Uh, but a, a few people chipping in on the ManCAD. Uh, Josh on the West Coast, is he? ManCADs, not in the spirit of the game, unless it's against <laughs> the Aussies. <laughs> Yeah, for sure, for sure. It's it's an interesting one, eh? Like, I, I understand what you're saying, Robbie, because from the looks of it, he wasn't really extensively trying to steal a run, but some of them are out the gate. Um, but, mate, good debate. Keep those messages coming through, double eight, double three. Yeah, well, good. And this one I, I quite like from Craig. What about if a bowler gets a wicket, but it's called a no ball, but if they look and the non-strikers out, then it's deemed a legal ball? That'd stop backing up. There you go. A few ideas coming through. Keep them coming through. Double eight, double three. Here's the latest in news with Araha. Thanks to Kubota. It's five past seven. Good morning and welcome into the show. It is Izzy and Ricardo for breakfast on SCNZ. A bit of a foos party. Izzy still, who, who still, am I? still amping like, from last you night. See, you see, I'm headbanging now. Like, <laughs> I'm getting into it. Pretend I'm playing the guitar. Like, what's gotten into me, honestly? <laughs> I, I can't believe I'm... <laughs> 
I'm falling for you, Ricardo, in a good way. Oh, well, that's good to hear, mate. It's good to hear. You know, we just <laughs> just opened up a new whole world of possibilities for you going to that Free Fighters gig. It's great. Now I know what my brother said. That's real music. Mm. It's it's real talent, mm. and it is like I always. I love DJs. I love people behind the deck. Don't wrong, they're very talented. It's, it's a pretty tough, um, you know, thing to do as DJ. But man, when you watch the drummer, the guitarist, and everyone being in sync, singing, and coming in at the right time, oh man, your imagination is blowing. So good. So good, so good. Yeah, as he was at the Foo Fighters last time, in case you didn't realise, um, <laughs> if, you, if you missed that earlier in the day. Uh, now, uh, it is Tradies Hour with Night and Day. You can start your morning with a hell of a coffee from just $4.50 at mm. your local Night and Day. And uh, a man who uh, will need no cranking up for a big game, he is live from Allen Road in Leeds. It is Ben Ransom from Sky Sports UK. Uh, they take on the Canaries of Norwich, and uh, and you're on, on site, mate, for a, a, a game that, Oh, it could have been a Premier League game a couple of years ago. Morning, Ben. Yeah, good morning. Exactly that. And both these teams have aspirations of making it a Premier League game again next year because Leeds very much are in the hunt for the automatic spots. If they win tonight, continue this excellent run they've been on. I think they've won four from four in 2024. That'll move them two points behind Ipswich Town in second. And Norwich, they're eight just outside the playoff places. As you know, it's very, very congested and tight the championship so many big clubs everyone wants a piece of that Premier League action um, and Norwich no win for them would move them into the playoff places so look it's uh, here it's a fascinating game that's for sure and I think it just shows the strength and depth of football in England that you come down into the second tier and you get two huge clubs meeting in such a huge stadium yeah absolutely huge uh, Alan Road what is that hold about 35 yeah, exactly that. They re, they re, rebuilt um, one of the stands initially for Euro 96. That's when they expanded the capacity. Um, they've since re-jigged re that stand again. Um, still looks a bit like uh, when you walk through the doors, like you're walking onto the set of the Damned United, it has to be said. But look, it's, uh, it's a fantastic place to watch football. It is loud. And uh, when Leeds are on song, the fans are absolutely brilliant. Now, uh, Ben, the reason we got you on was to talk, we're going to talk some transfers, talk some Premier League football as well. But, it, I mean, this window has only got, what are we, the 21st? So we've got six days left of the window, transfer window been open. Uh, and so far, it's probably the leanest spending we've seen in a transfer window in, in recent memory, isn't it? It feels that way. Um, I don't exactly know what the stats are on that, but it certainly feels that way. And I think it's because a lot of the, the clubs are literally looking at their PSR, their... their the fact, you know, that we've seen Everton punished, we've seen Everton and Nottingham Forest charged again by the Premier League for essentially overspending. And I think clubs are know how close they are to the wire and they are worried, which is why I think they're all waiting. I still think there'll be a flurry of activity in this next week or so as we get towards the deadline. But I don't think we'll see the same sort of moves as we've seen before. I think teams are just accepting they've got to cut their cloth a little bit if there's a a deal to be done that represents excellent value, they'll do it. But don't forget, in January, those deals are few and far between. I want to talk about a potential signing. And Aston Villa, it's surprising, or are you surprised to see them still competing? They're in the top four, competing for a, a title. But Aston Villa signed young 18-year-old Kosta Nedeljovic from the Red Star Belgrade. He won't play until next year. He'll stay with the Red Stars this year. Do you know much about Costa? No, no, I don't, if I'm honest. Um, that's probably as much as uh, shines a light on my uh, poor journalism as anything else. But look, it's um, obviously Premier League clubs, what I will say is have these extensive scouting networks right across Europe now. And they're trying mm. to identify players at that exact age because they know for well, and look, lots of the clubs have done this so well lately, 
bring players in. Brighton are probably the, the, the class masters at this at the moment. Bring players in at 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. Just to that age where they've shown enough that they can compete in men's football, but they've still got that kind of untapped potential. Develop them within the academy, mm. often send them out on loan, and then you, you win both ways. Because if you can hoover up the best of the talent from Europe and beyond, then essentially you've got a player on your books that ultimately is an asset. Now, if he goes on to fulfil the potential they hope he has and gets into the Aston Villa first team, fantastic. You might have saved yourself 30, 40, 50 million quid. But even if you don't, you can still often cash in. And some of the clubs have done that so, so well. At Brighton are the absolute best of that kind of level, I suppose, of doing that. But then you look at you know other teams like the likes of Man City and Arsenal and others who hoover up the very best young talent. Chelsea have stockpiled it, haven't they, for years? And you see how successful they've been. And that really does help, by the way. We're talking about PSR and balancing the books. Those kind of things really do help. It's interesting, actually, at Red Star, one of his teammates is uh, Marco uh, Stamanek, who's the all-white. He plays there, and they played Man City uh, twice in the Champions League this year and twice in the Champions League year before as well. So uh, certainly on the right stage there. And, and talking about Man City, you talk about stockpiling talent, Ben. Uh, there is a move that is happening by the looks of it. Uh, it is that Calvin Phillips is going to leave Man City and go to West Ham on loan for the season with an option to buy. I remember when they bought him from Leeds, there was some talk, because Liverpool was sniffing around, that Man City only bought him so Liverpool wouldn't get him. Do you think there's any truth to that, given they've hardly played him in the 18 months they've, they've had him on their books? Yeah, honestly, I don't, I don't think that. I mean, look, when other clubs are interesting players, of course, like it, it comes down to... A battle, and then there is a bit of uh, you know, we saw it with Chelsea as the PA system comes on here. Sorry, <laughs> uh, and we saw it with Chelsea in the summer, didn't we? Look, they were desperate to gazump Liverpool, uh, no matter what, with uh, Moises Casado, with Romeo Lavia. They were desperate to overpay for those players. Two players, by the way, Lavia particularly, who barely played this year. But look, there's, there's obviously going to be that rivalry and competition to try and get the very top players because, of course, they're looking at the same targets. But with someone like Phillips, I don't really think that was the case. There was a gap in the City squad for that kind of holding midfield player who could break, who could break up play, a bit like Rodri when he wasn't in the team, and then progress the ball forward. Now, Phillips is very good on the ball. He's a good passer. He gets around the pitch very well, very mobile, and defensively sound. But unfortunately for him, it just hasn't worked. Whatever Pep has seen for him in training, he's not getting what he wants from him. Whether it's his propensity to make little mistakes in the areas he desperately needs him to get the ball when he's you know surrounded by opposition players in deep areas I don't know but something's not quite worked and I think the big for me the right was on the wall for Phillips when Roger was suspended for those four matches combined this season and Phillips I think started one of those four the fact that Phillips didn't get back in the team for the Premier League matches when Rodri wasn't even available and he was preferring to play Manu Akanji in there alongside John Stones that told me that really Pep was never going to trust him England do, by the way. There's a Euros coming up in the summer. That's why a move for him is so important. I think West Ham potentially are getting a perfect Declan Rice replacement. Liverpool aren't Premier League title favourites. Man City are, says Paul Merson. Well, it's hard to really go uh, to agree with them, really, after way, the way they dismantled Bournemouth uh, for love in that last outing. Mate, what have you made of that? Liverpool, are they looking OK without Mo Salah? They're looking good at the moment. I mean, the last game, it was a bit of a statement win. Not a great mm. deal happened in the first half of that game, I will say that much. But look, the fact that Darwin Nunez and Diogo Jota stepped up in Salah's absence is huge because mm. Liverpool have always had these four-slash-five strikers or forward players. Salah's the one fixture in that team who plays every week. He's their talisman. He scores more than anyone else. He's done it at the top level. He's helped them win a Premier League title. Cody Gakpo, Diogo Jota, Darwin Nunez... Luis Diaz, these players rotate between them. 
and it, often it comes, happens on form. The fact that Jota particularly scored and now he's back fit again could be hugely significant because not only is Salah obviously away, I mean, he's back now technically, but was away with Egypt mm. at the Africa Cup of Nations. The fact he's now got that injury, which we're told is three or four weeks, which would mean he would miss a couple of Premier League games. He might miss three, four, five Premier League games. That's a massive hole in that team. So those are the players, players like Darwin Nunes, who haven't scored perhaps the goals that he's had chances to convert. This is the time Liverpool desperately need them. If they continue to play as they are, then absolutely they can win this Premier League title. But I will just say Man City are threatening. They've got Erling Haaland back, very close to a playing return. De Bruyne's back fit again, who's like a new signing in January. He's not played barely a minute this season either. They are just in that point where you feel they're going to hit their straps. So I think it's going to be a two-horse race, and it could be another one of those epic battles we've seen between City and Liverpool right at the end of the season. It's interesting you say two-horse race, mate, because, you know, for uh, a long part of the season, Arsenal have been leading the way, uh, but they have dropped five points off the pace in recent weeks. Do you think that's them done, or can they climb back into the race? For them to get back in the race, they've got to beat both City and Liverpool. I think that Liverpool game, what is it, in a couple of weeks' time, mm. I think, um, that's, the, that's the one, right? They... If they win that, then they're back in the race, no doubt, because, again, they played pretty well against Crystal Palace. They actually scored some goals. They've been missing a lot of chances lately, creating a lot and not getting the ball in the net. So to score as many as they did, to look good again, have that little break, come back, reset, refocus, they will push the other two close. But the fact they need the other two to slip, and these are two teams that in this most recent era under Jurgen Klopp and Pep Guardiola, we know they barely do slip. They've raised that bar to a level we've perhaps never seen before. And because of that, any defeat, any drop points almost instantly takes you out of the title contention. The fact that Arsenal have dropped so many points over Christmas, that is hugely damaging to them. As I say, if they can beat City, they can beat Liverpool when they meet them, they're back in it. But I also would say if they don't beat Liverpool then that probably is completely curtains for them. Yeah, that's probably them done. Liverpool do play today, mate. They're away at Craven Cottage against Fulham, second leg of the League Cup semi-finals. They won the first leg 2-1 at Anfield, but they were behind in that game. What chance do you give them of getting through here? Because Fulham certainly have taken the game to them in the Premier League earlier this season and in that first leg. It's going to be a tough game. Yeah, Fulham, of course, some problems, not just this season, but in recent meetings as well. Um, they've, they, they're a good side under Marco Silva, don't forget, former Everton manager as well. So there's a, a nice little dynamic that adds, uh, adds a little bit of spice to the occasion. And, and at home, under the lights, the Fulham fans will be hoping. Look, if they, imagine they score early. Imagine Raul Jimenez pops up at the far post and they go one up. All of a sudden, that puts a lot of pressure on Liverpool. Now, Liverpool are playing very, very well, but as much as those same strikers found the net and found their form in that second half against Bournemouth, if they have one of their off days, if Darwin Nunez is in the side of missing chances and Fulham get their noses in front, they're a very, very difficult team to beat. So, absolutely, Fulham have a chance. Liverpool, you'd still make favourites. The fact that Chelsea await them in the final, that promises that potentially is a huge game. Both teams will be desperate to get their hands on the very first piece of silverware this season. But Fulham have got a chance for sure. I'm excited by the match. I like the idea of Craven Cottage on those nights. Midweek, under the lights, knockout game. It's a bit like when they were in the old, um, I don't know if it was the UEFA Cup or Europa League. I think it was the Europa League when they were in it, weren't they, under Roy Hodgson and went mm. all the way to the final. There's some great nights on the banks of the Thames. And it feels like it could be another cracking game down there. It's hard to believe that, uh, well, it's easy to believe because they've been struggling for years now that Ricardo hasn't asked anything about Manchester United. But Mason Greenwood <laughs> has reportedly made it clear to his agents that there's no way back for him at Manchester United and is determined to make a dream move to Barcelona. 
Now we know that Sir uh, Jim Ratcliffe has come in. Is he shaking it up? Is he making a bit of a creating a bit of waves through Manchester United already in such a short time? I mean, he absolutely is. I mean, the fact that they've uh, taken City's chief operations officer, Omar Barada, they've uh, they've wasted no time in, in changing the structure of the football club. Manchester United, from the outside, this is my thoughts, is that they, in David Gill, the last great kind of chief executive club, they had someone who had the respect of any boardroom across UEFA, across any of the big clubs in the world. And then they kind of lost something when he stepped down. I mean, look, he saw the right was probably on the wall, as did Sir Alex Ferguson when they both left. And that dynasty ended. And they've really struggled to replace that real kind of authoritative figure in that boardroom at the top. So having Omar Barada, a man who's obviously worked at Barcelona and been a huge part of the success in recent years at Manchester City, getting him in, albeit he can't start work for a few months, is a big, is a big coup for them. They're clearly looking to make big, big changes. The noise from Mr. Jim Radcliffe is that, look, I'm a fan. I've got loads of money. I'm a billionaire. I only want the best for this club. I want success on the pitch. But alongside that, he knows they've got to get their ducks in a row off it. The Glazers, the way they've run the club, they've just been happy really just to see the profits come in and United relatively competitive at the top of the Premier League, winning the odd trophy, the odd FA Cup, etc. here and there. But this is a big statement. They, so Jim Rackett knows what it will take to get and catch up Liverpool and City. They know they're behind in that race, but he's fully committed to do it. And I think he's making some smart decisions himself and Sir Dave Brailsford. They're meeting staff at United. They're trying to change the sports science side of things as well they're, they're making changes at all levels because they realize within that football club things have gone off the boil they've lost that winning mentality amongst the whole staff let alone on the pitch so you can see he's desperately trying to make an impact and he wants to make an impact quickly because he realizes that kind of not quite the new manager bounce but the new ownership bounce this is their opportunity to do that have the biggest impact yeah, it's going to be uh, it's, it's a long road back, but uh, uh, look, the signs are positive um, for, from Manchester United point of view. Uh, that is that is for sure. Just before I let you go, mate, uh, uh, news that Kieran Trippier is wanted by Bayern Munich, um, and Newcastle have rejected two bids for him. Interesting one, this because Newcastle are a little bit. Uh, um, and under pressure for the for the financial side of things, but feels like selling Trippier would. It doesn't really work. He's one of your main players, and you're only probably going to get, what, maybe 15 million for him at the outset, so it's not really going to alleviate that much pressure. Yeah, exactly that. It's um, it's it's a tricky one for Newcastle, because you're right. It's, it's, it must be frustrating for them, the fact that they have all the money in the world, and yet they can't spend any of it because of these financial <laughs> rules, right? They've tightened them up since even Chelsea or Man City fought their way towards that top table. So the Saudis can't spend the money they've got, so they have to be smart about it. Now, selling players is potentially their only avenue to being able to go again. Now, there's been a lot of talk about Bruno Gimenez because he would command a huge fee, and that's a fee they could completely reinvest pretty much in the team. He's not going anywhere till the summer at the very earliest because they know how important he is. Selling a homegrown player helps. But look, in Trippi, I suppose the one thing you would say is his age. But he's over 30 now. When they bought him, they brought him because of his experience. But this season, what is there left for them to play for this season specifically. I guess there's trying to get into the European places, but realistically, you have to say the Champions League places are probably gone for them at this point. So it's about trying to get into one of the European competitions and it's about being competitive as long as they can in the Premier League. Now, £15 million, £16 million, £70 million for a player who maybe has two or three seasons left at the top level is not necessarily the worst business and it might just be something that unlocks something else. Now, Newcastle are keen not to sell him, of course, because he creates so many chances. You alluded to it there. He's one of their best players. 
He's such an offensive threat and great in the dressing room as well. But they have to look at all options. That's the reality of where they are with their financial situation. Mm, yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what the outcome of this is. Six days left in the transfer window. We'll let you go, Ben. Thanks very much for uh, coming on, mate. Thanks, enjoy, that, enjoy that game, Leeds versus Norwich. Have you got a prediction? Uh, I I think it might. I think Leeds can get over the line here. That Norwich have beaten in the last two games. They've beaten two of the teams above them in the table, right? So they know how to beat the teams in and around them, which has really helped them. But they're not playing the best at the moment. Leeds have been great so far this calendar year. They've never won five from five to start any calendar year in their history. Illustrious as it's been, this could be the night. So I think Leeds just about to edge it. Good stuff. Thanks very much, Ben. Enjoy your night. Enjoy the match. Ben Ransom from Sky Sports UK there with us uh, talking football. And as a year, it's interesting. I was just looking at a stat uh in terms of spending, so they have this this what they call the winter window over there. Yep. Generally, it's not as busy. English clubs in this window have spent thirty four point six million pounds. That's nothing, isn't it? No, what you know what they spent <laughs> last year? The same window what? last year, seven hundred and eighty. So what? It <laughs> is a huge difference. But what what's the reasoning? What do you think it is? Is it just not that appetite of players on offer out there in the market, or is it? The world we live in, is it inflation? Are they thinking, well, times are pretty tough. We cannot spend that money anymore. I can't think it's the latter, but what is it? Well, I think that year, last year, was overinflated because Todd Bowley had bought Chelsea. So he went in and, and splurged, I think, ah. probably about $500 million of that was Chelsea. Um, yep. But So that made a big difference. But yeah, I, I think it's just the realities of the new financial controls, basically mm. just so clubs don't end up in the stoop. So you, you can't, basically, over a three any three-year period, uh, consecutive three-year period, you can't lose more than 105 million pounds okay I like that yeah nice mm. um, and just just on that question around Sir Jim Radcliffe mm. and his you must be relatively happy anyone's better than the Glazer family isn't it yeah mate yeah 100% yeah he's he's making the right noises he's bringing the right people in he's he's bringing yeah. he's bringing people that know Sporton and Sir Dave Brailsford for the high yeah. performance side and then he's actually bringing football people into the football side of the operations in terms of recruitment and things like that because what the uh, uh, what the Glazers have done in the past is they've just had accountants so they're basically yeah. people who are only interested in balancing the books and not interested in the football yeah, and, and that's the wrong thing to go about it. They're relying heavily on the pass to keep the, the value of the team up there. And then obviously the loyal fans, they want to win. Yeah, of course they do. So they were doing it the wrong way. And winning is grinning, right? The more you win, mm. the more money you make. So, yeah, yep. it's uh, it, it's an interesting one. But I think uh, things are certainly turning and looking better uh, than they have done for a while. It is 7.24 here on Izzy and Ricardo for breakfast on SENZ. Uh, make sure you keep your text rolling through for Dagger's donations as well or Izzy's investments, depending how positive you are about it. Double eight, double three. Uh, we're going to announce that a little bit later on. We'll go through some more of those shortly. Double eight, double three, oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. This is Izzy and Ricardo for breakfast on SCNZ. Thanks to Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors, and land pride attachments. Coming up seven thirty here. Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven double eight double three. If you want to get in with your best tip of the weekend for Dagger's donation, uh, we are, we're going to have Devon Flanders on from uh, the Hurricanes uh, at about seven forty. But they've had to push that back because they've had to change their schedule. So hopefully we'll get them around twenty past eight this morning. But interestingly. Uh, 
Canes, they are having a, a training session in, uh, well, they're having a, a few days, a camp in the Hawke's Bay. They're spending some time at Pitane Marae today. Uh, but tomorrow they've got an open training session at uh, Poriti in Napier at the Hawke's Bay Rugby Union headquarters uh, from about midday. Um, is he one of those like, you know, from a, from a player point of view, what's, what's the difference between an open training session where anybody can rock up and one that you do behind closed doors? Um, yeah, probably a bit more of a team run, you know, team kind of dimension for the uh, for the training, team based training. So you're you're doing things as a team. It's not really honing in. You're not bloody stepping. And I do remember one training we had an open training, mm-hmm. and Steve Henson took it upon himself to get everyone on the line underneath the posts. And you had attackers on the five meters, and you had defenders on the goal line. And we were working on our one-on-one defence. <laughs> it was the funniest thing. And you had all the defenders getting stepped, bamboozled every single time. So we did it for about three minutes. He wanted to work on D, and it was like full noise, 100% physicality. And you had attackers stepping all the forwards, one-on-one, just making them look like chickens. And then Jack storms off and gets angry and goes away. Because it didn't quite work out. And this was in front of all the fans. So imagine fans sitting there in the stands watching all the All Blacks players get stepped and and look like gooses one-on-one. So, look, it'll be a good good outing. And the Hawks Bay have been through so much. So really appreciate the Hurricanes going to uh, going around the community because I know they've been doing some some community work at the Pintahi Marae there in, in the Hawks Bay. And the Hawks Bay Magpies have got some brand-new facilities. They weren't there when I was there, but they've got an awesome training complex. So it'll uh, be awesome to chat to um, Devon Flanders about um, the season coming up. They've got Clark Laidlaw taking the reins mm. uh, in his first year with Super Rugby. So how's that been going for them? And um, they've had the All Blacks coming to back into it. Tyra Lomax, uh, Geordie Barrett, they've been training extremely hard. Cam Roygaard. So, um, and he's got a big season, is uh, Devin Flanders. Because you look at that loose four trio, they've lost Shannon Frizzell, mm. um, Sam Kane's overseas, Artie Savia's overseas. So there is some genuine opportunities for some young players to put, his hand, put their hands up. Devin Flanders is one of them. Yeah, yeah, he will be. I mean, him and uh, uh, Duplessis Karifi will be uh, licking their lips. Yeah. That, 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 that possibly with no Ardi there as well. Those the opportunity for those guys to stand up. Looking forward to that. Uh, keep your text rolling through double eight double three for your options. Your best bet of the weekend for uh, daggers donations. We'll revisit some of that. We'll also hear from Steve Smith ahead of uh, the Australian second test against the West Indies. We'll do all of that before eight o'clock. Right now, uh, here is Araha with news for Kubota. Take on any job this summer with Kubota. Range. It is 25 away from 8 on Izzy and Ricardo for breakfast on SCNZ. Ken Atire making a back to work trade easy. Here are some sports news headlines for you. Plenty of uh, news at the moment, particularly over in Australia. Alexander Zverev served up a huge shock at the Aussie Open. Uh, he stunned the second seed Carlos Alcaraz to make the semi-finals after third seed Daniel Medvedev had fought hard to avoid an upset against uh, Hubert Hurkaz from France. How's this, Izzy? How's this for accuracy? You know how hard those it is to, um, to fire those serves in at the pace that those guys fire the serve yep. in and hit the spot. Zverev landed 94 of 111 first serves. Wow. Man, he was on. I didn't watch that game live, but I caught up this morning and went through it, and he was on. Man, that was some of the best tennis I've, I've watched. 
But Alcaraz was hitting some genuine good shots to the back, right, back, left. They were running around, but Zverev was on another planet. And when you're getting the first serve in like that, 90-odd percent, that is, that's going to go a long way. That was a huge upset. 3-1 dominated them. Absolutely. Dominated them. Absolutely. And that was, they were saying, like, if anyone's going to stop Djokovic, it's Alcaraz. Yeah. And he's bundled out. He's gone. Now it's up for Zverev and Medvedev. So. Yeah, and, and Yannick Sinner. Who, and Yannick Sinner. Yeah, well, Robbie is on Yannick Sinner to win. And would you say Yannick Sinner to win in five sets? Is that what you had? Oh, uh, I like four. Four. I, I, back, I back him in four. Wow. <laughs> wow. Robbie backing it. <laughs> Are you that confident? No way you're coming. That's a donation in itself. <laughs> yeah, no, fair enough. No, I back Come up. on, that, bruv. That's, that's my rough year. Well, we, we were discussing $31 shots before, to be fair. Mm. Yeah, well, that is true. You think this is, this is, this is Novak's, isn't it? Come on. Be honest. Do you say well, Novak or Novak's? <laughs> Novak's. Novak's. Come on, I'll be like that. Both. It's both. It's both. It's both. Yeah, well, mate, honestly, uh, it's looking very much that way. But yeah, Yannick Sinner, he has had, I think, the best tournament of anybody so far. He's dropped the least amount of games. Yeah, he's the only one to not drop a set. He hasn't dropped a set all tournament. And uh, if if what they're saying, I mean, they've been saying Djokovic is not feeling 100% for like the last two years and he keeps coming out. But apparently he's, you know, not 100. He's been sick. Um, so And, yeah, Sinner is in the form of his life. So if it if it's going to happen, it's now. So I back it. Yeah. Fingers right. crossed. Can't see it. Both well, semifinals tomorrow in the men's. Both, have, uh, you ever won a, have you ever won a multi or anything? I thought you were going to say, have you ever won a Grand Slam? Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> Well, isn't that? Yeah, well, no. <laughs> the uh, answer to both, to both. To yeah. Be yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I do, I do, I do all right sometimes. Um, yeah, the, yeah, it's 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 not it's not a it's not a great conversion rate. Let me say well, that. I'll give you a tip. All right. Novak beats Joe um, Sinner in, in four. Oh, okay. Okay. Right. Well, should we put should we put a bet on that mm. between the two of you? Who's going to get it? Mm. Who gets yep. the hair blonded? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not that. Oh, yeah, I'll go that. I'll, I'll take Djokovic for blonde hair. Robbie, you take Sinner? All right. Well, I mean, my hair's kind of blonde already. Okay, we'll go red. Might <laughs> <laughs> just you leave that. Yeah, all right. All right. Well, it's on. It is on like Donkey Kong. All right, here we go. What have you done? Am I? Am I? Am I? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I'm taking Djokovic. You're on. Here. You're in. You're in. Yeah, I'm in. Okay. Robbie's right. uh, Ukrainian qualifier Diana Yastromeska and Chinese 12th seed Zheng Quen have uh, progressed to the last four of the Australian Open for the first time after contrasting victories. Uh, the uh, Yastromeska kept things on track with a 6-3-6-4 win over the giant killing Czech teenager Linda Nozkova to become the first woman's qualifier into the semis since 1978, which is uh, some uh, some work. The world number 93 had already taken out Grand Slam champions uh, Vondra Sova and Azarenka during her stellar run. She met Zeng, who came from behind to beat former world number uh, to beat world number 75 Anna Kalinsinkaya, uh, Coco Goff, and Ayana Sabalenka meet in the other semi final, and uh, the All Whites. 
will defend the Oceania Nations Cup football title after an apparent change of heart. New Zealand football had originally sought dispensation from the OFC not to play in the Nations Cup so they could use that international window to help prepare the Ollie Whites for the Olympics in Paris. Uh, the official draw, though, for the tournament in Vanuatu was held and New Zealand were part of it. They've been uh, drawn in Group A. Uh, this is tournament's happening June 15 to June 30. They'll play hosts Vanuatu, New Caledonia and Solomon Islands in Port Vere in the group. There you go. Those are some sports news headlines for you. I don't know if Izzy wants to put a bet on that as well. Uh, Kennard's no. hire <laughs> making back to work trade easy. Win a trade station gift card worth a thousand bucks. And we've got a few gents. Texts. Yes. G- gents, the man cat is like the mankini. Should never be seen anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Joe's, not a, Joe's not a fan. Joe's not a He's fan. Not a... Well, yeah, look, that one was debatable. Under-19s, but there's been some when the player, the batsman in the non-strikers end is halfway up the pitch. I can I can understand that. But should there be a warning in place? I know that's been a part of the game before. Well, when did this, like, it came to light probably about a year ago, wasn't it? Mm. When it happened. I think it was over in India. Correct me if I'm wrong, Robbie, but something happened where, it, and then it became normal, the normality, because it is the rules of the game. But it went against the spirit of the game, and that was the big debate. Should there be a warning in place from the umpire, and then you go forward with it? Or should it just be that's part and parcel of it? If you're out of your crease, which is the basic crust of the game, you're out of your crease, you're out. You get stumped, you're gone. You know, When you go to hit that ball and you're out of your crease, you get stumped, you're gone. Um, what do you reckon? Warning, and then play on? Or straight man if you're going to try and cheat a run, you're out. See you later. Well, there, there, yeah, there needs to be some sort of clarification on on the rule, and you know, yeah, if if there's a warning, um, you know, whether like if if you're if you're a bit out of your crease, can can you do it like this? Yeah, a lot well, of questions. You're either in your crease or you're out of your crease. Yeah, I don't think a bit yeah. out. I don't think a bit out works. Yeah, you know what I mean. The, but then you but then you get the one that we that we saw in the under nineteen. Like he wasn't out of his crease when the bowler would have released the delivery. Yeah, and then w- the bowler chose to wait until the batter had gone out of his crease, assuming he'd, you know, released the ball and what's, then went back. What's the non-striker watching if he doesn't yeah. know? What's he doing? That's on the non-striker, surely. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, when you're, when you're non-striker, though, when you're, when you're backing up, you're not watching the ball out of the bowler's hand. You're sort of watching the other batter... I'm a prolific batter here. I yeah. used to go good back in the day, okay, Robbie? Mm. And I was holding that bat in my left hand. I'm watching that bowler. And I got my bat down. As soon as he released it, that's when I turn. That's when you make the shift to, to watch it where it's gone. You ain't just standing there with your bat in your crease watching the batsman. Right. I think that's, well, that's what you learn well, at, I mean, at the other thing is, age. Even, you always watch the bowler. Even if you are watching your, your mate at the other end, surely you've noticed that the ball hasn't arrived. You know, in two seconds, you're like, hang on, how slow is this guy bowling? Well, yeah, I mean, that, that's the thing. It, it is a matter of, like, two seconds, you know. You, you saw, like, the the batter was, you know, watched, waited, like, a second, and then, like, oh, the ball's not there, looked back, and he was gone by mm. then. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I think there are, there are a few options here. Uh, I, I mm. did like uh, the other one uh, that was sent through, I think, was it Jamie, who said, basically, if you, if you, get, uh, if you get a wicket and it gets no balls, then they look at the uh, the, bat, the the batsman who's backing up, and if the batsman's out of his crease, then boom, no ball gets overruled. 
and 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 your and your players out. So I mean that's that's an option, isn't it, Robbie? Or the other one? How about this? I'll just throw this out there. I just thought about this. Every time you get man catted, you lose five runs. You don't lose the wicket, but you lose five runs. Okay. Yeah, sure. Five? Why not? Why, why five? I don't know. I'm just making that up. <laughs> you lose something anyway. Yeah. A wicket or some runs. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I think there's a lot of responsibility that has to go on these batsmen. Mm. You know, for me, growing up, you always had your bat down in the crease and you're watching the bowler, and as soon as he releases it, that's when you take a little step. And if you get in lazy and you've forgotten about that and you're just expecting them to bowl it and you're just wandering off, which is potentially what the young kid did for the under-19s, then you've got to take it on, on the on the chin. But we need some clarity, like you said, Robbie. I think clarity is the key here. You know, the game of the spirit of the game or, you know, is there a bit more responsibility need to be on, on the batsman? I think there's a bit of both. I reckon we need to ask Marama Downs this when she comes on after 8 o'clock the, uh, from the Northern yep. Brave. Yep. Yeah, she'll, she'll have a take, no doubt. Uh, it is 7.44 here on Izzy and Ricardo for breakfast. When we come back, we're going to hear from Steve Smith ahead of the Australia Windy second test. Steve Smith, thank you so much for speaking to SEN Test Cricket. Uh, just, just one week out from... Uh you having started your new career as a test opener. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you think of your first uh, couple of outings uh, and just about test opening itself? Uh, no, it was, it was good fun. Um, you know, obviously uh, couldn't get through um, Shamar's first ball. Um, you know, hadn't faced him before. Saw a bit on the, the vision and what the vision showed me was that he actually brought the ball back in. So it kind of drew me in potentially to a shot that I probably normally wouldn't play. But... Um, you know, I've had a look at him now, so hopefully better for the run, I suppose. And then second innings was tough, I think, as an opener. It's probably the worst time to bat um, when you only need 20 to, to win. That You're kind of on a hiding for nothing. There's not, no real good that can sort of come of it. So um, having said that, it was nice to get through and be not out at the end. And, um, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to this week. Was there anything about opening in Test cricket that kind of took you by surprise or... Uh, or just the whole experience, not just going out and batting, but uh, running off the field and padding up immediately, which I guess you're kind of used to at number four, but then running out again, or all those aspects of just opening. Uh, nothing that sort of surprised me. Um, you know, I just had to pop off for one over at one point just to um, put my batting shoes on and tie my shoelaces to my socks um, just so that was ready. You know, 10 minutes isn't a long time, but um, yeah, that was pretty much it. And what about like when you're on the field, especially when that last wicket partnership just uh, carried on? Uh, at what point do you start suddenly thinking about your batting, as compared to say when you were at number four? Uh, I'm probably thinking about it from seven or eight down, which would be normal anyway, really, just to get a gauge of how I want to go about things and and what have you. But um, yeah, that's that's nothing new. Uh, and, and just batting with Usman Khawaja, was there any different like at the top of the order as compared to the number of times you've done it uh, before? No, it was, it was just the same. You know, I've got a um, a good uh, relationship with Uzi out in the middle. I think we, we, we play really well together. Um, we've had some big partnerships over the time. And, um, yeah, it just felt like usual. Just we were no wickets down, which was the, the only change. Uh, and, I mean, I guess it's true, regardless of where you bat, Steve, but especially as a test opener, the fact that, you know, you can get a good one really early on and you get out... Was that also like one of the lessons you got as test opener? 
one of the lessons. I mean, just as with the new ball, you just can get out like very early on, like a lot of test openers do. Yeah. Uh, was that just also part of the whole learning process of being an opener? Uh, not really. I, I don't really like to think about it that way. Um, you know, I just go out and play, and you know, if, if you happen to get a good one early, you know, that can happen anywhere in the order. So, um, yeah, you know, I've got plenty of ducks batting at number four, so there's no, <laughs> no, uh, no difference there really. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's all the same to me. Uh, a pink ball lottery. Uh, he's mentioned it a few times in the in the nets yesterday. I'm just just about the pink ball. Uh, I mean, you faced it a few times now, uh, but different venue. Um, I guess even in terms of uh, how much night cricket we'll get here will be different to what you get in Adelaide. Uh, just about that, the, the the challenge of facing the pink ball. Yeah, it can be difficult, particularly um, under lights when it, the ball's quite new. It seems to obviously do a lot more. So um, yeah, it's, it's it's an interesting one. The the pink ball sort of does some stuff that the the red one wouldn't do, which kind of takes you by surprise um, at times. Um, but yeah, you've got to play it and, and do do as good as you can with it. Um, you know, I think it's a good spectacle for everyone. So we you know try and do it as well as we can. And you know, Australia's got a great record with it. I think we're 11 from 11. So. Uh, we do a lot of things right and hope that we can do that this week. There you go. That is Steve Smith talking to Bharat Sundarasan yesterday from SEN. You can join Gerard Waitley, Damian Fleming, Ian Healy and the team for every ball of the Brisbane day-night test live from the Gabba from 4 o'clock today. You're listening to SENZ Breakfast, powered by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors and land pride attachments. It's a minute away from 8 o'clock and uh, tell you what, man, sport is all about opinions and we've seen that just after playing that Steve Smith audio, two texts through, one from Zach. As a New Zealand cricket fan, you really have to respect the way Steve Smith goes about his work these days, speaks well, doesn't sledge, gets points, uh, pointless hate because he was involved in a scandal. That's from Zach. And then Marshy, immediately after that, got no time for that bloody cheating sandpaper crybaby, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love your work, boys. Thank you. It's all about opinions. Keep them rolling through. Double eight, double three. We'll do Dagger's donation in the next hour. We're also going to talk cricket with Marama Downs and Opie Boston's going to join us as well. All of that and more to come. Here's Araha with you for Kubota. Take on any job this summer with Kubota's range. It's three past eight on your Thursday morning here on Izzy and Ricardo for breakfast on SENZ. And uh, Izzy still fizzing from the food. I was, I was telling Robbie to, to put your, wind your mic up as you were singing along with that, but he wouldn't do it. He says, uh, you know, you're fair play, Robbie. He's looked after you there. As soon as it went down, I was like, stop. Like, Are we going on here? Man, the best of you was unreal, man. I got goosebumps this in listening to it. Oh, it's so cool, boys. Yeah. I'll never forget it. Great show, great show, great band live. Uh, Foo Fighters, mm. I've seen them a bunch of times, and yeah, they always turn up, mate. They always deliver. Fantastic. Now, coming up on the show this hour, Devin Flanders from the uh, Hurricanes. We couldn't get him in the last hour. Hopefully, we'll get him around 20 past eight this morning. Uh, we'll talk to him about the Hurricanes having their training camp in the Hawks Bay and what they're doing for the people of the Hawks Bay and the hurricane recovery as well. We'll talk to Opie Bosson before nine o'clock as well about uh, a big weekend with the Karaka Millions on as well. And what the announcements this week have meant for jockeys in New Zealand, uh, because you know that's a, a, a there is a knock-on effect to all parts of the industry, with the NZB uh, Kiwi as well being announced earlier in the week. So we've got all of that to come, and uh, mm. we are also going to talk. Uh, there's a, there's a whole lot of cricket going on at the moment. It is that time of year, the Su- Super Smash Elimination Finals. 
are on uh, tomorrow. And now that means uh, we we talked yesterday to Shane Jurgensen from the Firebirds. They take on the Canterbury Kings at 2 o'clock. And then after that, it is the Northern Brave up against the Central Hines uh, that for, for the women's elimination final. The winner of that then goes on uh, to play the Blaze. So, uh, yeah, lots of cricket coming your way. You can catch all that ball-by-ball coverage for both of both Super Smash elimination finals right here on SENZ from 1.30 tomorrow. First ball is bowled at 2 o'clock. And uh, joining us now from the Northern Brave is Marama Downs, a fast bowler. How are you doing, Marama? I'm good, thanks. How are you guys doing? Yeah, good, thank you. Good, thank you. You're, you're fizzing, mate. It's, uh, it must be good having this elimination playoff on your home deck against the Central Hines. Yeah, no, absolutely. We're absolutely stoked. Um, yeah, I think it's awesome to get to this point. Um, you know, the girls have put in a lot of work over the winter, so I guess it's just good to see that it's paying off. And obviously the job's not done yet, so hopefully we can get the win on um, on Friday and, and step closer to the trophy on Sunday. Morning, Marama. Izzy here. Appreciate you coming on the show. You came up against the Central Hines at Seddon Park in the third game of their tournament about a month ago now and lost with just three balls to go. Is that performance important to look back on in terms of planning for tomorrow or is it just more of a fresh start? Um, I would say more of a fresh start. Um, obviously, we're a team that gets better as the games go on. So I think we've got really good momentum at the moment. We're coming off the back of... Um, multiple wins, so I guess we kind of take those um, and, and bring that to the game. More, not more so, we kind of forget about um, the losses that we had at the start of the season, and, and the confidence is really high in the group at the moment, so yeah, um, we're back ourselves, and, and hopefully we can get out there and get the job done. Who's uh, who's the danger player for you from the Hines? I mean, there's, there's a couple of overseas players in there, of course, is Hannah Rowe as well. Who, who are you guys looking at most that you need to shut down? Um, yeah, I think their overseas Holly Armitage is, is really dangerous at the top of the order for them. Um, she can hit a really long ball, so I think getting that wicket will be pretty crucial. Um, and obviously Hannah Rowe, she's um, one of the best all-rounders in the country, so um, that'll be a, an important wicket for us to get as well. You touched on the start of the season and the struggles you had to get results. Um, your three wins... Uh, in your last three games, unfortunate two of them were affected by DLS, but good to have some momentum heading into the finals. What adjustments did you have to make to to get this momentum confidence back? Um, honestly, I think it's mostly all mental. I think um, mm. we kind of lacked that confidence at the start of the season. Um, um, for us, last season wasn't a very good wasn't a very good season um, in terms of results. So I think yeah, at the start of the season we were kind of lacking that confidence, but. Um, our coach Pete, he he backs us a lot, and we've kind of felt that a lot this season. So I guess yeah, just that um, that mindset shift of you know we are good enough, we can win games and stuff. So yeah, I, I think that's mostly our our biggest change um, to get these results. Well, you don't really see this very often, but every single game where you've won the toss this season, you have elected to bat. Is that something specific to this team you feel more comfortable doing that, or just a coincidence? Are you having a an input there, saying, "Look, I I, I like bowling second, so give me a bit more of a rest." Um, no, I think <laughs> uh, we are definitely a team that like um, that like to bat first. I think. Um, I definitely don't have a say in that, but I'm have, I mean, I'm happy to do whatever, but yeah, I think um, our captain and coach prefer that we bat first and, and then mm. um, finish off the game with the ball.
What's the approach in the field then? I mean, if you get your, your way, you get to bat first, then it's obviously about putting the screws on the opposition, right, and, and, and building run rate pressure. How do you go about that? Yeah, um, I think it's just important that we go out there um, and, and do the best for our team. I think stops and ones for us are really crucial, and so um, it's important that you know we take those wickets, but but more importantly, we squeeze those batters and and limit them from getting as many runs as possible. And then obviously that run rate will climb. Um, and then towards the end of the innings, it's it's pretty tough to be getting um, you know tens and twelves off and over uh, every over. So. Yeah, I think for us, just squeezing those batters as much as possible throughout the middle is is really crucial. Well, you've got one game before you uh, head to the final, and you're up against potentially the Wellington Firebirds, and no, that's a hell of a task in itself. I know you've got to get through the Central Hines first, but if you're able to, that'll be a big old challenge for you and uh, and the both. Yeah, definitely, I think. Um, they are a really strong side. They've got some of the, the best players in the world in their team. But um, like I said, we back our players and we have beaten them this season before. So um, I guess there's no reason why we can't go out there and mm. do it again. Just quickly on Tech Ryder, uh, we've had a bit of a debate this morning on the Mancad and where it has its place in the game. What's your take on, on the Mancad? Have you had an opportunity to to get one uh, through the game? What do you what do you think's right for the game of the cricket? Um, I'm very much against the Mancad. I will never do that. Mm. Um, I guess I guess I kind of see it as bad sportsmanship and not something that I would do um, in a game. But um, I, I can't. I, and what I would do in that situation is kind of give that batter a warning, you know, just say, mm. hey, maybe just don't leave your crease early, etc. Um, but, yeah, no, definitely not something that I agree with or would do. Do you feel like there needs to be clarity or clear definition? Where Jamie Wall sent a message through, I think it's quite poignant for the point that we're trying to put across. The problem is there is no clear definition of when the ball is live. If they had another crease behind the pitch that marks when the ball is in play once the bowler crosses it, crosses it during their run up, it might help maybe clarity. Yeah, I think so. But again, I don't know. It's just not something I personally agree mm. with. I think there's better ways to go about it. And um, obviously if batters are leaving their crease early, it doesn't hurt to just have a quick word, say, hey, I can see you're leaving your crease early, just giving you a warning kind of thing. But um, mm. I guess just to pull that out, yeah, just isn't isn't something that I agree with. Well, being a pace bowler, it's probably a bit different too, isn't it? I mean, for you to put on the skids to do that, it's going to be a lot harder than it is for a spinner. Um, we were talking yeah. about it earlier in the show, and you know how often a, a batsman that's on strike will will stop a bowler in their run up because of you know a seagull across the side screen or or a person moving in the stands behind it or whatever. How off-putting is it for you as a bowler if you're running in out the, that at the corner of your eye you can see somebody crabbing up the pitch sort of next to you? Um, yeah, I mean it's not ideal. Um, I think the earlier that they can do it, the better. I, I'm not too I'm not too fussed about it. Um, the only time that I think it becomes a problem is when you're just about to release that ball because obviously it's it's a lot in your action. So. Um, but if you're just running in, like, yeah, I don't really see a problem with it. Mm, all right, Marama. Now uh, you've you've got obviously uh, to the pointy end of the competition of the of the Super Smash, and 
we've got the best players in the country. The White Ferns are, current, are currently, you know, not in action. So you've got all the best players uh, in action at the moment. How have you found the competition this year, and how do you think it compares to the WBBL? Yeah, I think this year the competition's been really awesome. I think um, one thing that has really helped the development of players is that the team's really even. Um, I guess in the past there's been huge gaps within those teams. Like you said, the Wellington Blaze are really strong and they've always kind of been at the top of that list. But I guess this year um, it's just awesome to see that the teams are competing. And um, there has been a few tied games, which are extremely rare in cricket. But I guess, Mm. yeah, that just shows that um, teams are getting better and, and becoming more part of the competition. So, yeah, I think it's been really awesome. Um, in comparison to the WBBL, I think there is still quite a long way for us to go. Um, obviously, they have the Australian women's team who are the best in the world, but they also bring in a lot more international players than we than we do so far. So, obviously, uh, that's going to make their competition a lot stronger. Um, but I think, yeah, we're definitely on the up and um, we're only going to go up from here. So I think it's awesome to see. Mm, oh, fantastic. All right, Marama, thanks very much for coming on with us this morning, mate. It's been great to chat and get some yeah. insight into what you're up to at the Northern Brave and, and get your take, get an actual cricketer's take on the man cat as well, rather than us just blathering on about it. So I appreciate you <laughs> and appreciate your time and, and best of luck against the Hines, eh? No worries. Thanks for having me, guys. No worries at all. There you go, Marama. Uh, Joining us out of the uh, Northern Brave, and uh, you know she's uh, Marama Down. She's one of, one of the emerging fast bowlers too in the New Zealand mm. scene. Out uh, cricket desk, cricket desk. How far off do you reckon uh, Marama Downs is from being a, a regular for the White Ferns? Um, a, de- a decent amount from being a regular. I think they're um, yeah they they tend to be um, quite uh, specific with their selections in terms of um, you know trusting who they've got on there at the moment. But uh, but yeah, there's there's plenty of young talent, Marama included, coming through the uh, domestic scene. Um, Brie, Brie Elling's another one, a mm. young bowler coming through. Left arm bowler for the Hearts um, and Gabby Sullivan, which we mentioned on the show before. So uh, yeah, quite quite a few um, futures looking quite bright for the White Ferns. I'd say. It's an aging team, isn't it? Like you, you look, and are they brave enough? Because there's a whole lot of experiences: Susie Bates, Sophie Devine, Leah Tahuhu, that have been very good for the White Ferns, but they are getting on a wee bit. Do you think they could be brave enough to make these changes and bring some young talent through, Rob? I uh, hope so. Um, yeah, I, th- I think it, it won't be like a sudden thing. I think they'll definitely, you know, turn to turn to a few, um, you know, y- uh, younger talent over time. And um, yeah, but I, I hope I hope they back them. Um, these Super Smash games will definitely be helping their cause. Yeah, brave enough to see what you did there, is he? Nice work, nice work. You can catch ball-by-ball coverage of both the Super Smash Elimination Finals right here on SENZ from 1.30 tomorrow, first ball at 2. You're listening to SENZ Breakfast, powered by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors and land pride attachment. Devin Flanders from the Hurricanes up next. It is 8.20. You can get us on 0800 150 or double eight double three. Still looking for options for our Daggers donation, which we're going to do a little later this hour. Still to come to Opie Bosson in this hour. Right now, though, joining us out of the Hawks Bay is Havelock North's favourite son, Devin Flanders. G'day, Dev. How you doing? <laughs> hey, I'm good, thanks. How are you guys? Yeah, good, mate. What's it like being back in the Bay for pre-season? No, it's, it's good, eh? It's, um, yeah, obviously good to be home. Um, we just been up Tomato Peak. Um, the best of days um, right now. I was expecting a bit of sunshine, but no, it's been good. <laughs> it's not. That's not the Hawks Bay we know, Devin, mate. Great to have you on the show. 
back in the Hawks Bay. Hawks Bay's favourite son is there. Mate, what's what's the Hurricanes, what's this all about, this this camp back in, in pre-season in the Hawks Bay? What are you doing in the community? Um, we kind of just, uh, well, we start, started at uh, Papawai Marae yesterday, just trying to connect with each other and, and the land a bit more on a deeper level. And we've we've come up and we're going to do some work at uh, Balin's Marae today. What about, awesome. I think we've got like four or five hours there just helping out. Awesome, awesome. And uh, have you felt the buzz around the, around the place? I know you would have been there with Hawks Bay during Cyclone Gabriel, mate. Are you able to tell us how the Hawks Bay people are getting on? And is there a, 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 bit, a bit of a smile coming back to the people's faces? Yeah, I'd say there's definitely a bit of a smile. We've had, well, not that I've been here, but there's been uh, a lot of good weather, actually. So, mm. um, But everyone's a bit more happier and the community's doing well, I think. Mate, tell us about the season ahead for you. You lose uh, a very important cog in the Hurricanes, uh, Adi Savia. You've had a very experienced player coming back in Brad Shields. You've got Dupasi Karifi. Mate, uh, what about the season for you, mate? Are you excited? And, and what do you want to achieve? Yeah, super excited um, for this season. There's a good good buzz in the team. Um, we've lost a lot of experience. Uh, but I think some of the... Like the younger groups come through now, and yeah, it's just exciting. Um, connecting well, training's been going well. A few staff changes, um, but yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, man. Yeah, it sounds uh, like like it would be. I mean, you know, Clark Laidlaw's come in to take over. He obviously we know him predominantly as a sevens coach. Uh, has he has he brought anything fresh? Anything new? Anything where you're going? Okay, Dev, you're you're lining up in the fourteen this week. Um, I think it's it's more around trying to like we're not we're not robots, so we don't want to play like that. So mm. it's given us that freedom just to um, see pictures and kind of just play what we see. Mate, the the identity of the group. How's Corey Jane been with within the crew and and co like? Traditionally, you guys were very fierce defensively. Line speed has been a part of your identity for the last couple of years. Is that something that you've been painting the picture on? Maybe in the last couple of years you've struggled a wee bit? Um, yeah, I suppose we. that's kind of our, our identity is, and that's how the Hurricanes play. Is, um, it's a bit more freely, so... The, it hasn't really changed too much, but we've got a few different, I guess, like ways around it. And yeah, I think I think we're heading in the right direction. Have you ever have you thought about much about this season for you personally, Dev? Like, there's a lot of players, experience-wise, particularly in the loose four trio, that have gone overseas. So for higher honours, is that on the radar for yourself? Yeah, obviously, I'm. Um, Always striving for that. Like that's the yeah. that's the main goal at the moment. Um, and I guess we have to see uh, throughout the season, and hopefully playing well, see what happens. What do you feel like hasn't quite been there for you to be able to get 
the the nod to go to higher. Oh, look, I'm I'm just saying it from personal. I've been very impressed with you for the last couple of years, particularly with your your teammate Marino McKelly too. I think you've you've been guys that have been knocking on the door, but you just quite haven't got there. Is there something we can look for this year that you've made improvements in? We can look at and to to see improvements in your game. Um, I'd probably say it's more around consistency, just making sure that for me that my week's planned planned out well enough um, so that come game time I don't really have to think about too much. It's probably, yeah, consistency is probably the main thing for me. Yeah, and I suppose that consistency off the park, right, your preparation and, and uh, the way you approach game day, if you can get that the same each time, then it should flow onto the field? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, good stuff, Devin. All right, well, listen, mate. It sounds like you got a big day. I know you got a Ford's meeting you need to be at, and we've interrupted it, so we'll 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 let you crack on, mate. But uh, have enjoy enjoy your time back in the Cheers, bay, Steve. and uh, nice work yeah, giving we'll back do. to the community uh, in the Hawks Bay that's been so affected by the hurricane. And uh, uh, look forward to uh, seeing you guys get back into action at the start of Super Rugby season, eh? Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Uh, anytime there. Yeah, Devin Flanders there for you out of the Hurricanes. And, oh yeah, I mean, Izzy, those those camps, you would have been in on a few of those with the Crusaders where you, you go out of... Um... I should have gave him a fright, get some excitement. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you go away from home base to do a, a, a camp yeah. somewhere else. It might be up in the Tasman region or, or wherever. I mean, you know, sort of, well, how do those camps look? How are they structured? And what do you get out of them? Uh, they're just probably understanding the importance of why you represent your team. And it's just not about the jersey, the colours, the, the personnel that are in that group. It's probably understanding that there's a lot of people that love this team that probably don't have the access to this team and ha- don't have the opportunity to see these, the, their team because they play in Wellington mostly. So I think it's more about connecting to the fans from a wider point of view and understanding the importance of, of what you're doing and, and the culture. I love it how you said they're connecting back to the land. Mm. You know, this is Hawke's Bay, who has provided so many good players over the last couple of years, but probably hasn't been well looked after from the Hurricanes region. Yeah, I, if I was, I'm completely honest. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because, I mean, we've already seen Taranaki you know, do one because mm. of the same thing. They didn't feel like they were, I think they were getting one game every three years or something. Yeah. And so they left yeah. and became part of the Chiefs. Uh, you know, I mean, I guess that's something that the Hurricanes got to be aware of. They have to be aware of it, yeah, because you cannot afford to lose another big powerhouse from from your inside your your region. And I know there's been some, well, concerning times for Hawks Bay people in terms of regards of how they've been recognised uh, from the Hurricanes people. So I, I love what they're doing at the moment, but this is only the start, and this is only a tick in the box. They want to see games, and they want to see their team in their region for long periods of time. So if there's an opportunity to play games this year, I'm unsure if they have one this year, but they potentially do, to go there earlier in the week, be a part of the community for the week, and um, and do what they're doing, connect back, because there's people there that love that team but never have an opportunity to see them. So, And there's so many good players that go from Hawke's Bay that head, north, um, head south and play for, for the Hurricanes. Devin Flanders, he didn't say... A hell of a lot, but mate, he does most of it on the field. Mm. But consistency for him and fitness and more times on, on with ball in hand is his key. If he is busy and he gets the ball in his hand, he is devastating. He is as quick as any back out there. He's very, very good from the back of that scrum. Give him time, 
he could be devastated. He's, he's a good defender too. So consistency and having more time with the ball in hand and defensively being a menace, physical prowess, uh, he could have an opportunity. I don't think he really understands what could potentially be in front of him if he gets consistency in his game. Yeah, well, that was interesting. That's why I asked him about, you know, a bit tongue-in-cheek, but about Clark Laidlaw, you know, with a sevens background, a coach who thinks maybe a little bit differently, you know, sort of probably not going to throw him in the 14 jersey, but, you know, because like yeah. you said, because of his pace and being such a big guy, he can, he can play in a lot of positions. Well, Clark has been in a part of the team where everyone has to be an athlete. Everyone has to be a ball player and run the game. And, and sevens is structured to an extent, but it's basically get the ball, run, and back yourself. So I, I feel like we're going to see a Hurricanes game that's going to be expansive, it's going to be open, and we're going to see a lot of ball in play. They would have been working extremely hard. Clark Laidle's sevens background, they'll be training the house down. And you you might see a different... Defensively, they were very good. Won them a title in 2016. They didn't get one try scored against them in the playoffs. So defensively, that was the way that they won their um, won the title. So they need to probably be a bit better there, have more clarity. Line speed teams are starting to figure out now the way to beat line speed. Hmm. So now Corey James and the, and the team there got to come up with new ideas and new ways to defensively be different and be better because everyone is bringing line speed now. Yeah, line speed is um, yeah, certainly uh, you know the kicking game comes into it, and that is going to uh, then the it's just an increase in skill in those inside back combinations uh, to take advantage of that. Uh, we'll talk more about that. We'll take your text as well. Double eight, double three. Here's Araha with the latest in news for Kubota. Take any job on this summer with Kubota's range. 27 away from 9 o'clock here on Izzy and Ricardo for breakfast on SENZ. Uh, text through from Brett. Good player, Devin Flanders. Been watching him since he was in those successful Hastings first 15 teams. Karifi, Larkai, Braden Yose, Brad Shields. Some good potential. So it's, a, it's a great loose forward looking group, even without Adi Savia. Yeah, Dupasi Karifi. I saw a photo of him um, the other day. And he was very, very. He looked in great nick, and yeah, like they, yeah, Brad Shields coming back, very experienced. Play, I think he played a hundred games for the Hurricanes. Played over in England, so and I think the question is, who's going to take over the captaincy now? Brad Shields, do you go back to the old stalwart? Give it to him. Do you bring an upper comer up through the through the ranks and give him a crack and and things like that? So it'll be interesting to see where they go. Yeah, uh, Israel, if you think anyone from the Canes, Chiefs, Blues or Highlanders will be picked for the All Blacks under the current coach, you're dreaming. That's from Cameron. <laughs> Is that Cameron? Oh, yeah, I missed you, Cameron. <laughs> bring back Foster. You must bring back Foster. Oh, come on, Cameron, mate. Hey, if, if that was the case, you would have seen the Crusaders physio in there. You would have seen the Crusaders manager in there. I, th- I don't think it's going to be as clear-cut as or, or biased as you think, Cameron. All right. But um, probably. You're probably right. <laughs> Check out the Grand Tour Hub at tab.co.nz. Bet safely. RAT. Paul Mawadi joins us. Uh, morning, Paulie. How happy are the people at the TAB today after Carlos Alcaraz uh, did one in the quarterfinal? Yeah, he did us a wee bit of a favour, to be fair. Uh, um, there's still a, a big, big red line hanging over us in regards to Novak Djokovic winning the Aussie mm. Open. So we've got rid of one... Um, poor result for the TAB, but there's another big, big result for punters in terms of 
uh, Novak Djokovic, number of multis finishing on Djokovic to win the Aussie Open. So there's still plenty of interest uh, in the Aussie Open and the, uh, and the upcoming semifinals uh, for the men and the women. I just want to draw your attention to the Karaka Millions because oh, come on, we then. did the barrier draw live uh, last night uh, and projected it onto the Sky Tower for all of Auckland to see. That was a huge event, but I think Thad Taylor got a wee bit carried away because he's paid out legato in the futures market for the Elston Park Aotearoa Classic. So if you had a futures bet on legato, to win what? the Aotearoa Classic, money is already in your account. And the boys, they also had a boosted uh, option on Legato uh, in that futures market as well. That's also being paid out. So those backers of Legato in the futures market, you've already been paid out. The money is in your account. What did the futures um, get out to? I, I think she was around... Look, she got into... Um, odds on. I think she was around um, three or four dollars. So anyone who backed her in the futures market, you've got the money uh, in your TAB account. Now, if by a small chance she does not win and someone else wins the uh, Aotearoa Classic, then that runner will also be paid out in the futures market as well uh, on Saturday. So don't worry if you back someone else. Um, your your bets are still live, um, and if Legado, if she doesn't go on and win the Aotearoa Classic, and someone else does, then you'll get paid out in the futures market as well. The final field market is now open, and Legado is now a dollar fifty five favourite uh, to win that four year old race, um, and has been the best backed uh, in that race uh, this Saturday. There's been a wee bit of money for Sharp and Smart, who's out at eighteen dollars. Um, but it's pretty much one-way traffic in that four-year-old race. In the two-year-old um, Karaka Million uh, race, Velocious, the favourite there, at $3, and Bellatrix Star is on the second line of betting at $4.20. They've drawn uh, beside uh, each other, uh, and both camps were very happy with where they were. So uh, we've seen money come for Velocious, the favourite there, uh, the Stephen Marsh trains Velocious and Bellatrix start of the Tiago stable has also seen a bit of action, as has Cool and Fast, who is at $7 to win the two-year-old race. And, of course, Cool and Fast um, had a bit to win, uh, to return over a million dollars uh, by the Boys Get Paid uh, punters club in the futures market. So they've had a couple of goes. They've backed Cool and Fast uh, to win uh, the two-year-old, ra- uh, two-year-old race and they've also backed Farrah Leone uh, in the Westbury Stud Classic. They got uh, they put $100,000 on Farrah Leone at $14 to return $1.4 million in the futures market uh, at $14. Farrah Leone is now the second favourite uh, in the Westbury Stud Classic at $6 behind Lark Creek at three sixty. So there's plenty of action Poorly. already. Uh, yeah. Po- po- yeah. Poorly... Like, uh, let, let's, let's have a serious conversation here. This yeah. could go horribly wrong for the TAB, what the boys get paid. What are they potentially, oh. if everything goes right for the BGP, what are you potentially up to lose? And well, um, we, will we still have you on air? Well, that's a very good question, is he? 
Um, and, and we don't know yet because they've got over six hundred thousand dollars in their uh, punters club, and you can still get in if you want to be a part of the Boys Get Paid Punters Club. You can still get in. Just head to the TAB website, uh, click on the Boys Get Paid uh, logo, and uh, it'll it'll show you how to uh, deposit money into that uh, account, and you will be a part of those bets that have already been placed as well. So it doesn't matter uh, if you get in between now and the start of race one on Saturday, which is around 4.19, you'll be a part of those bets that have already been placed. So they expect to have a pool of around, or a kitty of around 1.5 million by the time we get to Saturday uh, and, the rate, and the start of race one. So Izzy, to answer your question, this could be an absolute debacle and... <laughs> You will never talk to me again <laughs> after Saturday. So um, I'm hoping the boys, the bookies have got things right and we can um, keep well, a bit of that money for ourselves. Paulie, let's be honest. You're still here after that Everest debacle promo. So look, you can't go. It can't be that bad. <laughs> and if you remember correctly, we had a promotion on that um, Everest. That the boys get paid at a punters club for that. And if you... Uh, deposited $20 or more into the Everest uh, Punters Club for the boys get paid, you went into the draw to win a $20,000 bonus bet to place on Karaka Millions Night. Well, that punter has that $20,000 bonus bet. I don't believe he's uh, used it yet, but Legato. I'll try and keep you updated <laughs> to see where you <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see, Paulie. Good stuff, mate. Go well, and uh, hopefully, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go butter up Opie, man. I hope he destroys us. Good yeah. luck. Hope, hopefully, <laughs> Monday you don't get a knock on the door from Winston foreclosing on the house. Uh, uh, check out all the odds, promos, and boosted odds on the Grand Tour Hub at tab.co.nz. Bet safely. R18. Opie Bossum up next. It's 14 away from 9. Love Racing.nz, your home of thoroughbred racing and an absolute thoroughbred of a jockey joins us now. Opie Bosson, good morning, brother. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. Good. And uh, the barrier draw last night, you happy with what you got? Yeah, no, very happy. Uh, every horse I'm on for the for the week, weekend uh, drew well. Opie, is there any truth to the whisper the stable would not be mad if Damas Rose made the field and she has a bit of a probable profile about her? Yeah, she's flying under the radar a bit. Um, I've been galloping her the last few gallops and she's coming up quite nicely. So uh, she needs a bit of luck to get her scratching, but uh, if she does, she'll be, be half a chance. Someone going to get a flu, are they? <laughs> Well, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> but about, um, can you compare Cool and Fast to any of your previous winning Karalaka Million Rides? Um, not really. He's, he's, he's got quite laid back in his track work since his first up win. Um, but he, um, he, I think he's the top of horse. He just does what he has to. Uh, mm. So uh, I, I think he's going to be a nicer three-year-old, but uh, I, he can definitely gallop way you want to first up. Um, horses just don't win like that. OPV, uh, we've got a big weekend this weekend, but of course uh, March next year is looking even bigger now after the announcement this week. We've talked to trainers, uh, we've talked to bookies, but what does it mean for jockeys? 
yeah, it's pretty it's pretty big for 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 us jockeys um, the pro- how the prize money's going in New Zealand. Um, it's getting more and more like Australia, so um, I won't be retiring just yet anyway. I wouldn't be retiring, mate. Hell of a lot of cash. Not that you need any, mate. You're winning everything. Anyway, uh, another potential win on a million-dollar race. Is Tokyo Tycoon working like he can bounce back? And is any part of you worried about him under race pressure on Saturday afternoon after three runs now where he hasn't been his best? Yeah, um, I, I galloped him uh, Wednesday morning, and he um, actually felt like he's back to his best. Um, that's why I decided to I'll, I'll, I'll stick with Stick with him for the for the mile, and uh, he's he's got the perfect barrier draw for him. He should get a soft as run, and uh, if, if, if he shows his uh, true form, he, he's definitely a big chance. Well, big chance, best chance. What do you make of Maven Bell's Railway, and is she your best chance of the night? I thought her Railway was just a touch disappointing. We, we were expecting a big run from her in that race, and uh, she just didn't seem to quicken up, but. After that, she had a little bit of a problem, um, and she had to miss a race, which probably was a blessing. Really, she um, she's bounced through, bounced through it okay now, and um, track work's been spot on. So I can't really talk her really. Opie, there's no better chant than there's only one Opie Barson. <laughs> mate. The pressure, the weight of a nation. Do you feel it? Nah, n- not really. It's quite exciting, really. Um, but. Uh, yeah, at least you know you're doing. You're having a good night if they start chanting it, <laughs> mate. I'm gonna attend my first Karaka Millions on Saturday. I cannot wait, and the BGP boys will be roaring because apparently they've got a big kitty to have a wee fill up, mate. Twelve thousand fans will be in the crowd. Have you had a little run out on Alice Lee, mate? In the new track, how have you found it? Yeah, I, I had. I rode their their first meeting back, and uh, the track's beautiful. It's um, so smooth and. Uh, the, it's, if you had a wet track, you'd be in a bit of trouble, but um, nah, you can't fault the track one bit. Yeah, interesting, mate. How I mean, you know, we, we see like in footy and other other codes, you get a captain's run on the pitch you play on the day before. How does that work for, for jockeys and horses, especially when we've got a few that are coming back from over the ditch that might not have seen it? Yeah, um, Alice, it's not, uh, not the easiest of tracks to ride. You've, you've got to do your homework a little bit, but... Um, these these boys that are coming over from from Australia that they're, they're world class jockeys, so I'm pretty sure they'll fit pretty easy. All right, Opie, the people want to know. Give us your best, give us the plan, and what will we see when we know we're going to get paid? Well, uh, yeah, as you said, Maven Bell's got to be in with a huge chance, but I also like Fashion Shoot. Um, she's a little. A little bit of a freshen up and back to a pet distance, and uh, I, I expect a big run from her. Beautiful. All right, OP, we'll let you go, mate. Are you busy going on track? Are you doing some track? We're on now. You would have been up uh, at 4 a.m. Yeah, three. <laughs> I'm just on the way <laughs> on the way home from track work, so uh, go home, do a few bit of work on the farm, and uh, try and get a few, few couple of hours in it, uh, Cap. Beautiful, mate. Hey, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it. Good luck this weekend. Hopefully it all goes well. And, mate, it's going to be a, a huge weekend of racing at Alice and 12,000 fans will be hopefully singing There's Only One OP Boston, mate. Appreciate it. Take care. Cheers. Uh, thanks for having me. Cheers. Uh, P- featuring Peking Duck, Sir Dave Dobbin, Z and the Black Seeds book now at thegrandtour.nz. Yeah, he's playing his cards close to his chest, is he? What did you take out of that? 
Uh, well, it's horse racing, you know. You never really get any givens on the day. But, mate, look, he's got some beautiful rides. I think the interesting one was Tokyo Tycoon because Tokyo Tycoon last season was outstanding and it was a horse that everyone was looking at, never got beat. And it's come back, it's just been different. Looks, I don't know, some, something's not quite right there. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. But Maven Bell um, and the railway went extremely well and he's given that one a good opportunity, followed by Fashion Shoot, who I think is paying good odds. So if you're having a listen, have a listen at that. And in the three-year-old race, all eyes are on Molly Bloom. Well, Molly Bloom has been drawn uh, barrier 10, mm. which is quite wide. So it'll be quite interesting to see if that plays its part. So you'd be all over Pendragon with Mark Zara getting uh, drawn four? Well, Mark Zara, yeah. Look, he's a great jockey and been given the ride. Um, yes, but then you've got Tokyo Tycoon, Talisker, so there's just a few good horses. Mate, it's anyone's guess, really. Yeah, that's why it's called gambling, mate. That's why it's called gambling. <laughs> <laughs> it is seven away from nine here on SENZ Breakfast with Izzy and Ricardo. Daniel McCarty with us next. It is a couple of minutes away from nine. Uh, just quickly, uh, Daggers Donation, uh, here's what it looks like. I'm going with Joe's bet of uh, Karaka Millions, two anchors for the donation, Crescetti and Legato, just to win, fill up. So that's the anchor. Izzy, what have you gone with? I have gone with Richard, and I'm going to go on Valacious uh, with J-Mac on board, paying three bucks, and then I've gone with... Uh, Aidan McLaughlin, Womble, top run score for England in the first innings versus India. Joe Root, $3.75. What does that pay? $50 bonus bet, $1,083. Nice Let's work. Let's split that three ways, boys. Uh, Daniel McCarty joins us now. Uh, g'day, Daniel. Lots of cricket coming up. At the, uh, mate, we've got uh, the test. We've got the Super Smash Elimination Finals. It's uh, it's all on. Hello, Rosado. How are you both? Uh, lovely to see you, fellas. Um, mate, I'm in my happy place. Mm. Test cricket's about to start. But have you seen the lineups for the Canterbury Wellington game? Absolutely star studded. Uh, stacked with black caps as well. That's the, the men's qualification final. Uh, we can't wait to bring you all, the, all of those uh, big games right on a, uh, this little station, mate. We'll just chug on and give the people what they want. Well, New Zealand cricket have got it right because in the past they've been criticised with having the white ferns and black caps sort of in action and all their top players missing from the showpieces, but they're there this time round. Absolutely, and it uh, gives me uh, something to fight with Louis Herman Watt. Not that I need too much encouragement on that front. Uh, Jake Fisher, senior NBA uh, reporter from Yahoo Sports, joins the program. Alex Gruskin, editor-in-chief of Crack Rackets, talks to the Aussie Open. Some guy, Ian Smith, joining the show after 11 o'clock. He's an up-and-coming broadcaster. And Captain Clado. Uh, will uh, join us to talk uh, some Caracamillions, fellas. Oh, beautiful. 